adjust your monitor. Make sure your tinfoil hat is shiny. Lock your doors. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, lie down. If you're driving, please pull over. Swipe and share. Curse and comment. Open debate. Trolls welcome. Resist or mega. Left or right. Darkness or light. Flight or fight. Political turmoil, innuendo, lies, deception, rhetoric, fake news, AI, extremism, Lucifer, and laughs. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Thursday night or Friday afternoon. Or perhaps some other time in this crazy mixed up world. How are you all? Thanks for joining us. Good to see you. Full house. Carol, Beth, Sandra. Good to see you. Millie, Kimmy Jong-un. The blonde mama. James, the boss, the CEO and owner of TAVshow.com, James R., Good to see you too there, boss, buddy, pal. If I suck up enough, do you think I'll get a raise? Uh, of course not. <laughs> the man's a tyrant, but a nice, friendly tyrant nonetheless. It's a pleasure to be on TAVshow.com. Also, hello to the guys watching on YouTube and Stream.me. You are the deplorables. You are the outcasts. It's good to see everyone in the chat. Mike, Perusa, thanks for joining us. Bombshell Blue, good to see you. Is this chat working? Yes, it's working. I can see you over there on YouTube. No platform for me, says the guy watching on stream.me. That's what I like to see. Just going just going pure, no, no handle, no avatar, just words. Just the words. Because words are so important in this day and age. I'd like to uh, start with a little shout out. To my friend, why does it call me a troll? So that if you're if you're watching through TAVshow.com or if you're watching on stream.me and you don't have an account, uh, anybody who doesn't have an account registered just comes up as a troll. That's not it's not you know, it's not trying to offend you. Uh, the the software isn't trying to declare you a troll. That's just the way it works. Anyone that doesn't have an account <laughs> gets called a troll. J Dub, good to see you. 
double my salary, says Lemon Lemon Tree for Truth. <laughs> so, yeah. Hope you've all had a lovely week. I certainly have. Oh, Carol started already. Creepy porn lawyer going down the pole. Look at that. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic stuff. Yeah, it wasn't a good week for the um the creepy porn brawler. We will get to him, obviously. Got a little bit to say about Michael Avenardi, Michael Av. But like I said, I do want to start with a little shout out. Stefan Sears, good to see you, friend. I want to start with a little bit of a shout out to somebody who is often maligned, who probably gets too much attention in this room, more than he deserves. Uh, our Democrat friend, ladies and gentlemen, Lucifer Sam. You know him as, well, it depends. It depends on how you know tolerant and how welcoming you are. You may know him as that idiot libtard who says dumb things, or you may know him as Lucifer Sam. Either way, he's our Democrat friend. And I just, I want to give a little tip of the hat to him because I have been monitoring his goings on on Twitter. <laughs> Here is a guy, a dedicated Democrat, who has to get into arguments with other Democrats on Twitter, trying to explain to his comrades why it's a bad idea to have Nancy Pelosi as speaker for them. <laughs> And I laugh and I laugh and I laugh because the the people he's talking to, the other Democrats he's talking to, they're like, oh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's going to tear those Republicans a new asshole. You know, the Republicans are scared of Nancy Pelosi. And he's like, no, no, they're really not. <laughs> and then they call him a sexist. <laughs> it's wonderful stuff. He's trying to explain to them that Nancy Pelosi being Speaker is probably the best possible thing for the Republicans. Like, he's trying to say, no, 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 she's terrible. The Republicans want her, like, because she's so bad. Like, she's memeable. She's drooling. She's drunk. You know, we don't know what she is. She's she's very corrupt, perhaps. He's like, at, at best, she's really bad for us. And at worst, she's she's corrupt. And they're like, shut up, misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's perfect. It's beautiful. And now I'm now I say to my friend Sam, like most unpopular politician of tweets, there you go. He knows all the stats, and he's trying to explain to his comrades. Now you know why I'm not a Democrat, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to explain to his comrades, guys. Nancy's got to go. She's she's awful. We need her out of there if we're going to have any chance of making any headroad here. You know, like we got to get rid of Nancy. We've got to jettison this cargo. She's she's yesterday's news. We need a bulldog. We need a fighter. And they just come back and they're like, ah, oh, you misogynist. <laughs> it's wonderful. You should follow Sam. You will get much enjoyment. What else have we got? What else have we got to talk about this week? The imaginary caravan has started to show up to the southern border. Just, bef just before we do America stuff, um, something I've been thinking about over the last couple of days, and you know what? This probably goes to, you know, politicians on the left and the right equally. Uh, guys, newsflash. 
the politically correct era is done. Now, you know, people might say, well, political correctness is just about being polite to people. Political correctness is a good thing. Here's the problem. If if you think it's a good thing or not, like I personally, I'm on the side where I'm like, no, political correctness is like a, it's like a noose around our necks. We need to get rid of it as, as quickly as we can so we can all, you know, just be honest with each other again. Like the good, the bad and the ugly. Like I, I, I prefer badly, I prefer ugly truth to pleasant lies, if that makes sense. So what politicians on the left and the right need to understand now, and I think the, the big problem is here, we're dealing with a lot of people who are entrenched. They're entrenched in the system. They're entrenched in their habits. They're entrenched in their old ways. And, you know, I don't want to sound ageist or anything like that, but uh, there are a lot of people hanging around the halls of power, whether it be in the United States, Australia down here, New Zealand, the UK. I mean, look at Theresa May right now. Right, she she Theresa May is one one inch away from political oblivion. So, whether whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, or whether you think it's helpful, whether you think it's not, I'm sorry. The reality is, it's it's coming to an end. It's dying. And if you want to win in the future, you're gonna have to be a pit bull. You're going to have to be unafraid because here's the thing. Voters of the future, how are they going to vote for you if you're too scared to say things, right? Now, we all know that politicians have to, you know, they have to map their conversations in a certain way. They have to they have to articulate things in a certain way. I've, I've never been an elitist in that regard when it comes to speech. I've never been one who thinks, you know, because here's the other thing. Uh, the people that adhere most to politically correct mannerisms and who want to throw them on top of everyone else without any kind of choice, uh, they really hate working class language, right? And the non-PC way of speaking is really the working, it's the masses way of speaking, Political correctness, if nothing else, is an elitist, it's an elitist doctrine passed down from people who think that they're just better and smarter than you. Right? Oh, well, a refined person would never say such horrible things. Oh, no. Tut, tut, tut. Uh, an, An educated person would never refer to another group in such a grotesque manner. No, no, it's awful. Right? There's a lot of that stink about it. And I think you'll find, you know, I'm going to have to correct myself here. Here I was thinking for the last few years that the next Democrat threat, the next threat... So, you know, whether it's, you want to call it MAGA or whatever, it's primarily on the right, even though, uh, you know, Donald Trump did win the presidency thanks in large part to a, a number of Democrat voters in the blue wall states. Let's not forget that. But I, for the longest time, I was thinking the next Democrat leader, like the, these Democrat voters are only one smooth talking politician away from 
going back to the Democrat Party, I think I was wrong. I think that Democrat voters are one straight-talking politician away from going back to the Democrat Party. And that doesn't mean that their ideas might be right. That doesn't mean I agree with them politically. But if the Democrats can unearth for themselves somebody who is non-PC, who just says it like how they want to say it and speaks in blue-collar working-class language, blue-collar working-class tropes, I think that's what you need to worry about now. Not the smooth-talking, PC-laden crap. I don't think that's going to work. I think that time is coming to an end. And the next Democrat leader that you need to look out for isn't going to be the, you know, the, the private school, country club, university-tier lawyer with the, with the polished language. It's not going to be like that. The Democrat leader you need to look out for And if the Democrats are smart, the Democrat leader that they'll be looking for will be someone from the traps. Maybe a miner, ex-miner, a tradie, a tradesman who started off empty, a, a guy who started off emptying septic tanks who then made his own business or something like that. That's the guy you got to worry about. Someone who says that the corporates have too much power and we need to deliver power back to the people, right? <laughs> don't say that. Don't say it hasn't worked before. It worked only two years ago. Hmm. So I was just thinking about that over the last couple of days. Speaking of which, Jim Acosta, a man who will probably never truly understand what the hell we're talking about. Someone's telling me to shush. Sandra's like, shh. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Ah, look, I'm sure they've figured it out. The problem is they get drowned out. You know, the people that have figured it out, then right now they're not a threat because they get drowned out by the social justice warrior types who are just in control of everything on the Democrat side of the ledger. And by the looks of Nancy Pelosi in her, you know, shaking drooling, dithering way, her claws clinging to the scepter of power. It doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. So, might be a while before they get their man or woman. I would suggest a man, though. I think a man. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if a, I'm not sure if Democrat voters would take kindly to a woman politician up there scratching her ass saying, nah, to hell with the immigrants. We've got to look after American jobs first. That's That's coming, by the way. That's coming from the Democrats. They will shift. They will They will take a punt. When? I don't know. Maybe it'll be too late by then. I'm not sure. But that's definitely coming at some point. Hell, the union. The union movement used to be the, the, the entity that was most against mass immigration. And now the unions are like, well, you can't be racist. Sorry, what? <laughs> Interesting times ahead. So, Jim Acosta, uh, CNN now suing the president, which is entertaining. Do you think that uh, the judge that they referred this case to in Washington, D.C. will probably side with CNN? I, I do. I'm prepared for that. I'm very prepared for that. I don't think it'll make any difference. 
we'll go over Jim Acosta's antics and what this means, but, I mean, clearly this isn't a violation of the First Amendment because nowhere in the First Amendment does it say that everybody has a right to a White House press pass. So, like, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, Jim Jim can still stand on the White House lawn. He can. He's still working for CNN. He can still make money. He can still do reports. He can still do news if that's what he claims to do. Just because, like, a lot of people aren't in the White House, they actually report on politics. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Jim. Like, most people who write about politics aren't in the White House. Did you know that? There's nothing stopping you. Go write an op-ed piece. Antics. Uh, we'll get we'll get into it a little bit later on, but uh, of course, the the stink around the Acosta affair is pungent, and you know, for all the talk that uh, Donald Trump is destroying norms, destroying norms and decency, here you have a guy who has made it his personal mission to destroy all the norms and decency and journalistic ethics that apply when you are in the White House press corps. You 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 ask a question when you're called upon, and when you're done, you sit down. And if the person that you're asking a question to wants to move on, then bloody bloody oath, they move on. You move on. You sit down. That's the ethics involved. That's the norm. I mean, this guy gets up. He doesn't even ask questions. He has a debate. Well, I don't think it's an invasion. Well, we've got a difference of opinion. Well, it's not, it's not an invasion. This is not a question. This is a debate. I know, I know. Define norms. Uh, but what I mean by that is a certain a certain mode of behaviour for the White House press gaggle for an extended period of time, which Jim Acosta clearly and obviously flaunts and, you know, goes goes way above and beyond more than anybody ever has with his behaviour. He he jumps up while other people are asking questions and interrupts, he interjects like like he's on the debate floor. And that's what I mean. Jim Acosta is the first one to accuse other people of destroying norms when he himself unzips and takes a big steamy piss on it every single time he goes to work. Whether it's a free speech issue or not, who's to say? So we will talk about the migrant caravan as well. The imaginary migrant caravan, which now happens to be crossing the border one way or another. We will get to your stuff that you sent in on Twitter. Looking forward to that. As always, lots of good things to go over. Just before we go too far, though, I do have to... I, I want to give a little plug, a little plug to a mate who's doing some pretty hard work out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Chatelet is organising the, the American Priority Conference. And, you know, the speakers, there's going to be Laura Luma... Matt Couch, I think, is going to be there. Pasobic might be there. Other people may show up, and you can imagine what kinds of people we're talking about here, the, the types of personalities that may show up to this thing. But I just want to give a plug to my mate, Tom Chatelet, who's doing an incredibly large amount of work to make this thing happen. And it was thrown in his lap, 
and Tom being the good guy that he is, he said, yeah, all right, I'll have a crack. I'll have a go. And if you jump on that website, American Priority, look at the agenda, look for tickets. It's in Washington, D.C. And like I said, some of the speakers, some of the talks that are going on at this thing, um, you know, the majority of the audience here tonight would appreciate. So go on there and check it out. And a tip of the hat to Tom Chatelet, who's doing absolutely incredible work. Uh, by the way, guys, um, there were no podcasts this week. I was flat out with other work and client stuff. DTF, hello from New Zealand. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Sandra says, Tom is the only one I like. Well, he's doing he's doing a talk there as well about memetics. So <laughs> you might get something out of it, even if you hate everyone's guts. Uh, we didn't get around to doing a podcast this week. I was flat out with um, other work and I just couldn't get around to it. But definitely next week, podcast will be back. This this tonight will be podcasted as well. And But we'll be back to our daily shows next week. So without much further ado, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing. Tom is awesome. Uh, let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. It's time for the Shredder. As soon as our page loads, that is. I went to one of my old favourites this time. One of my old favourites. Oh, we've got to get the Twitter page off. Hang on. We're off to a flyer. We're off to an absolute flyer. There you go. Salon, why your search results are sexist and racist? A conversation about Google's blind spots. I bet you didn't know that Google was sexist and racist too. Wow. <laughs> You know how we've often pontificated upon uh, the the tragic reality that eventually uh, the PC culture, those who are most infused with the PC culture, will end up eating their own? Like it'll be a snake eating its own tail? Yep. We are now at the stage where Salon is writing hit pieces on Google because their search results are racist. Right? <laughs> how long do you think this movement has? How long do you think the PC culture will last when even Google <laughs> is being accused? <laughs> you've got to let it, you've got to let it sink in sometimes. I mean, it's almost time now to light up a cigar, put your hands behind your head, put your feet up on your patio, watch the wind blow the grass from side to side. Sexist searches, blonde mother. Sexist searches. An infliction point conversation with Dr. Sophia Noble author of Algorithms of Oppression. <laughs> the Algorithms of Oppression. I'm oppressed by the search results on Google. Like, how much more oppression can we unearth here? Who, who, who is still oppressed? Like, I, I want to get everybody in a room and say, okay, who's oppressed here and why? Google searches by rape. <laughs> I know I'm not alone when I say I think of Google as my second brain. That that could be your first problem right there. That could be your first problem. The author claims Google is her second brain. <laughs> Something I uh, used to hear a bit when I was a young fellow was, uh, that guy's got two brains, he's lost one and he's looking for the other one. 
I know I'm not alone when I say I think of Google as my second brain. It's there when I want to remember something trivial, like that actor's name in that movie or the title of that song stuck in my head. It's there when I'm doing research on a guest or when I'm talking with my production team about an author or a recent article I read. Need the answer to a question? Just Google it. Consider that Google processes 40,000 search queries every second, which, uh, wow, 40,000 cases of oppression per second, ladies and gentlemen. This could be the the Supreme Court case of the century. <laughs> I, I, I want somebody to, to, to go to the court and say Google is oppressing people 40,000 times a fucking second. See how this goes. I'm pretty confident. Which translates to 1.2 trillion searches per year worldwide. That mean that must mean so what is there about 7 billion people on earth, but 1.2 trillion searches per year, that means that everybody is getting oppressed daily multiple times. It's just the way the math works out. If the search results are sexist and racist, and there are 1.2 trillion search queries every single year, then we're all getting fucked. We are all getting fucked by the man. Just to let you know. I googled to get that stat, by the way. It's safe to say that nearly everyone with an internet connection or a smartphone has adopted surfed, uh, search engines as their backup brain. Empowering, right? <laughs> Somehow I think it's not going to be empowering. But what if using this backup brain is backfiring on us? What if the tools we use to retrieve mundane pieces of information are instead delivering oppressive ideas and hateful ideologies, even swaying elections? Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. What? Google is swaying elections? What? 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 Come on. Come on. That's never going to happen. Search results can't sway elections. Why? That would be meddling, would it not? I see Tom just came in. Give Tom a follow. Check out American Priority. We gave you a little plug. You missed your plug, Tom. The general consensus, Tom, is that uh, people are willing to go to the um, the American Priority Conference, but only for you. They don't care about anyone else. They just want to see Tom. And who can blame them? They're only human. When Dr. Sophia Umoja Noble was in library information school, she began to notice something that made her extremely uncomfortable. Wow, who would have who would have thunk it? Somebody that writes the algorithms of oppression while your search results are sexist and racist was uncomfortable in a library. That makes sense to me. <clears throat> it makes total sense. Everyone used Google like it was the new public library. Noble had worked in marketing for 15 years before returning to grab school to to grad school to study library science and had always seen google for what it really is an advertising platform and we the searchers aren't their customers advertisers are so you have this uh, combination of paying to epitomize content paying to make content visible and then paying people uh, then people clicking on that content which signals it's credible or viable Noble told me in our interview for Inflection Point. What does this mean for the rest of us? Certain kinds of industries or ideologies 
can wholesale take over keywords and identities and communities? Wow. An ideology taking over identities and keywords? No. That, no. Can, can you think of any words that have been hijacked over the last, say, 10 years and now mean something else entirely? Can you think of any concepts like a word? A word is a concept that, uh, you know, delivers an idea in your brain kind of thing. When you hear a word, you picture a thing or you, you know, a construct or, uh, you know, an idea, right? Hmm. Can you think of things that have been removed from Google or at least suppressed from Google, which may have perhaps been... Hijacked over the last 10 years. <laughs> Millie's onto it. Nazi, white supremacist. <laughs> Everyone's a Nazi. I mean, you don't even have to be a Nazi now. Isn't milk racist? Milk's racist. Remember that. Gender. Man, woman, that's offensive. Can't imagine. What about what about the words that are being hijacked for ideologies? Hmm. But it, w- it would only be the Nazis that are doing this. What does this mean for the rest of us? Certain kinds of in- industries or ideologies can wholesale take over keywords and identities and communities, she said. That's right. The information you see in those search results are heavily manipulated through a complicated digital dance, also known as an algorithm. Oh. <laughs> I prefer complicated digital dance over algorithm. To be honest, if I was censored due to a complicated digital dance, I don't think I'd even be offended. I may, I may, I, I need to learn this digital dance. Maybe it's like the mamushka. You know, remember the Adams family, the mamushka. Like it's an inborn dance that only people in the Adams family can know. I, I want to learn a complicated digital dance, don't you? I mean, I can't get busy with an algorithm on the dance floor. Can't, te- I can't shred rug with an algorithm. One day, a colleague of Nobles, Dr. Andre Bock of Georgia Tech, suggested she Google, quote, black girls. And when she did, she saw that the top research results were images that perpetuated racial stereotypes, misogyny and exploitation. Here we go. Here we go. The top search results for black girls perpetuated racial stereotypes. What, like black people? (laughs) If you put in black pe- if you put in black girl in Google and a black girl shows up on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, this is now perpetuating a racial stereotype. You, we know from uh, people like Rachel Dolezal, these these uh, you know these pioneers, these trailblazers. You don't actually have to be black to be black anymore. You know that, right? We know that. Don't, don't be so stereotypical about this stuff. Come on, be progressive. Don't be a bigot. Misogyny and exploitation. It wasn't just black girls, of course, she told me. It was Latina girls, Asian girls, and that's where the list stops. Just, It's only the black girls, the Latina girls, and the Asian girls who are the victims of exploitation on the internet. I, I, they're, they're, to me, I think that there's a lot of white women in porn. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of trailer parks in this. There's a lot of trailer parks in America. There is. There's a lot of farming there to be had for the porn girls. Come on now. 
Come on now. Who's with me? <laughs> it's my new strategy. I'll just upset everyone. <laughs> I'll upset the blacks, the Latinas, and the white girls. I got nothing to lose. <laughs> and of course, the trailer park people. <laughs> you do have to be left to be black, though, if you're not black. Ah, I see. See. It was the Latina girls, the Asian girls, who are also kind of victims. Kind of victims. I, I guess that's not a full victim. That's a, that, I guess that a kind of victim is like, Meh, maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's like, did that guy rob you? Well, you know, he asked me for the time. He, he took my bus pass, but he didn't take my wallet. Okay, you're, you kind of got robbed. Well, yeah, because I mean, I can just go and get another bus pass. He kind of robbed me. It was Latina girls, Asian girls, who are also kind of victims of being pornified. <laughs> We're inventing new words now. We're inventing new words to make our arguments. I've got to, I've got to see this book or film or whatever the hell this thing is. I, I need to see all the Latina, blacks, and Asian girls who are being pornified. I want to see. Don't you want to see that? Come on. Google. Google is pornifying Latino women. Pornifying. Sounds like some kind of medical procedure. Can we get Stormy Daniels on the blower? Can we ask her about this? Stormy, have you ever been pornified? Maybe it's a position. I'm not sure. Sounds like something guys say to their buddies after, you know, at the bar. You know, like the next day. It's like, Boogie, did you go home with that girl? Oh, yeah, man. Let me tell you. We got pornified. <laughs> that girl was absolutely pornified, bro. High five. Because that's how guys roll all the time. It's all they do. That's all they do is talk about porn and high five each other. But not with their not with their porn hand, the other hand. It's an unwritten rule. Are you left-handed? No. No, I'm not. No. Oh, I see. That discovery was the beginning of an investigation, an investigation into the pornification of Asian women on the internet, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad to see that our the the world's best and brightest are dedicating their intellectual, you know, their intellectual superiority to matters that desperately need our attention. Pornorific. It's like I I I did a number of Google searches on terms like Latina girls or black women, and we need an investigation into this. <laughs> we can't have these girls being pornified. Somebody needs to put a stop to it. Sorry, my my whole machine just went. Are we back? I think we're back. My whole machine went absolutely crazy. I think when I yelled pornified into the microphone, I don't know what that means. Something could be happening. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I did a few Google searches. I realized that the Asians and the blacks and the Latinas are being pornified. So I decided to kick off an investigation. We think of the internet as a great, the great equaliser. But the algorithms behind it, which are created by humans, serve up content that is sexist, racist, and biased. Scott says, I'm an equal opportunity pornifying. There you go. Google got excited. (laughs) 
That discovery was the beginning of an investigation that eventually became Sophia's book, Algorithms of Oppression, How Search Engines Reinforce Racism. Based on a few Google searches on black women and your opinion that these women have become pornified, that now starts an investigation from which you can write a whole fucking book. I mean... If there's a book about porn on the internet, well then, I can't believe it's not on my shelf yet. Really. Let's be honest. Ladies and gentlemen, now that one. face the shredder. Who's going, who's going to care for those pornified, likely sometimes victims? Someone has to. I think I think there's a very good chance that the guys in this particular chat will put their hand up. Don't worry, boss. I'll look after the pornified women. I'll make sure I give them a good home. Judge expected to rule where the White House must immediately restore CNN reporter Jim Acosta's press pass. Federal judge is expected to announce Friday morning whether he will grant CNN's request that he order the Trump White House to immediately restore a press pass to the network's chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. Is this the most ridiculous shit you've ever seen in your life? It is for me. So what, now the president, now now the White House doesn't get to choose who's in the press at the time of a press Like, Are you kidding? Like, so now the White House no longer has control over who's in the White House. Like, like we may as well just we may as well just sign up to a dictatorship right now. <laughs> What's the difference? So, so the press and like a judge can decide for the White House who gets access to the White House. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not encouraging violence or anything like that. But how long is it going to be before you know some guy comes up and says yes? Uh, my name. I am. I am. I am regular American Joe from Smallville in uh, Central Western uh, American state. I demand access to White House immediately. Your infidel president must answer for his crimes. It's like, well, we can't stop him. <laughs> Hand him a press pass. There you go. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> I am suing the president. The president shall grant me access to the White House whenever I darn well wish, sir. I decide when I speak to the president. Not the president. He'll get what's coming to him. A federal judge is expected to announce Friday morning. Oh, we read that bit. The court hearing and announcement, originally scheduled for 3 p.m. Thursday, was delayed until Friday at 10 a.m. Ah, the Friday special news drop. Yes. Yes. Some Friday drama. I can can hardly wait. I don't think I'll sleep tonight. (laughs) I think I'm going to be up all night worrying about Jim. Will Jim get his press pass back? Will little Jimmy get his pass back? Who knows? Who's to say? Immediately. If the president wants to exclude all reporters from White House grounds, he clearly has the authority to do that, James Burnham, Deputy Assistant Attorney General, argued before the judge on behalf of the president. 
We're talking about the physical White House. I mean, the one building in which the president's authority over how people act, where they go, should be at its apex, Burnham said. This this is obviously bigotry. No, no. When I, Jim Acosta, uh, in the White House, I like he should be able to go in and take pictures of the president taking a shit, shouldn't he? He should be able to walk in on Melania getting changed in the morning. You don't have a right to kick me out. <laughs> Who cares what my behaviour is? This is my First Amendment. <laughs> it's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's insane. And the way that they're trying to present it, like Jim Acosta is some kind of victim and this is unheard of. We'll go through. We'll watch Jim Acosta. We'll see from their own words how they, they can't possibly have a problem with this. CNN and Acosta filed suit against President Donald Trump and top aides on Tuesday for stripping Acosta without warning. <laughs> it actually says without warning. Like, like oh, okay, so what? We should have given him notice then. By the way, Jim, uh, your White House press credentials, they're going to be stripped from you in a week, okay? So you just run back to CNN headquarters and write up whatever shit you want, okay? We're going to let this story roll for a week because we want to give you notice because you deserve that. (laughs) They took my credentials without warning, I might add. That was the most painful part, the fact that I didn't get any warning. If I had had some warning, maybe I could have yelled some more things out in the press conference. I missed, damn it. I could have yelled out, it's not an invasion, one more time. The indefinite revocation of Acosta's press credentials, known as a hard pass, a hard pass, came on the heels of a heated exchange between Trump and Acosta on November 7. CNN and Acosta filed an emergency motion. This is an emergency! (laughs) Fires? What fires? This is an emergency, Your Honour. I demand immediate access to the White House right now! (laughs) Don't you see? Democracy is at risk. Don't you see that this president is trying to take a shit on the First Amendment? This is a goddamned emergency, man. Get it together. This is serious. An emergency motion. To have Acosta's press pass immediately reinstated as the court case continues and asked for a ruling from Trump-appointed U.S. District Judge Timothy J. Kelly. They have to put in Trump-appointed. See, they put in Trump-appointed because they're trying to pressure him to, quote-unquote, do the right thing. And they're laying the groundwork for if this judge throws out this obviously ridiculous court case and says, Jim, you're full of shit, CNN, this is the most ridiculous case I've ever seen in my life. You don't have a First Amendment right to have access to the White House, no matter how good you think you are. If that happens, they'll say, "Get you know, you know what the opinion pieces are going to be already, don't you?" It's going to be like, "Ah, oh, this guy was this judge was at a court. He was a, an appointed judge by Donald Trump. He's obviously covering for his boss. He probably thinks CNN is fake news. He should recuse himself." <laughs> yes, I'm surprised they haven't tried that. They should say, hang on, all judges who were appointed by Donald Trump should recuse themselves because CNN is suing Donald Trump. Why haven't they tried that yet? Shut up, Boogie. Don't give them ideas. Don't, don't, 
give them ideas. That's all right. They're not listening. They're not listening. But that's that's what I would have done. If I was a whacked out Democrat activist, uh, you know, whacked out Democrat activist journalist, would be journalist, I would be saying, you need to recuse yourself. You were appointed by Donald Trump. You can't possibly rule in this case in an unbiased manner. Because, you know, they're insane. On Wednesday, the judge pushed CNN's lawyers on how they can prove that Acosta's press pass was revoked revoked specifically because of the content of Acosta's reporting rather than based on his behaviour. <laughs> well, of course it wasn't based on the content of his recording, uh, his reporting, because he's been doing it for two years. If it was based on the content of his reporting, but this is the other thing, it's not, he's not a reporter. How many times do we have to explain this? He's not a reporter. The guy editorialises constantly. Nothing. He, he really doesn't give any reporting. And, you know, like we've explained, it's subtle, but it's there at the same time. These people are very, very good at manipulation of language. You know, to give, to give the impression that you're a reporter, but you're not actually reporting anything. And for those who haven't heard it yet, I'll repeat it again. We did a whole video called The Deconstruction of Jim Acosta. It goes for an hour and a half. We break down his language sentence to sentence to sentence. This guy is not a reporter. For example, he comes out and he says, It seemed like there was a cloud of confusion hanging over the White House today as Donald Trump attacked Robert Mueller. Well, I'm sorry, it seems like a cloud of confusion is not reporting. That's opinion. See, even the shit that got him in trouble with Donald Trump in the first place, like, oh, it's not an invasion. How do you call it an invasion? That's an opinion. Even when even when they're saying he's a reporter, even when he's doing quote-unquote reporting, he's giving opinions. That is not a reporter. A reporter would not say, a reporter would not argue the definition of invasion versus migrant. A reporter would ask a question and then re- like report the answer. That's what a reporter does. See, a reporter wouldn't say, it seemed like there was a cloud of confusion hanging over the White House today as Donald Trump attacked Robert Mueller. A reporter would just say, today, Donald Trump attacked Robert Mueller. That's a report. The cloud of confusion is in your head. That's what you imagine. That's your opinion. That's why you're not a reporter. Let's go to a little clip here. Let's, let's, let's see why we're all wrong. Let's find out why we're all bigots. Let's find out why we want to destroy the free press with one of my personal favorites, love the lovely Brooke Baldwin. The Trump administration vowing to fight back against a lawsuit filed today by CNN. CNN is suing the president and other top officials for violating the First and Fifth Amendment after the White House revoked the press pass for our White House chief of staff, our, our, our chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. He's the chief. <laughs> violating the First Amendment. <laughs> It's all. They acted like he, st- like Donald Trump, walked out there and stuffed an old football sock down his throat. You know, you shall speak no more. Last week, uh, CNN has just asked a judge to force the White House to immediately restore Acosta's credentials. Uh, let me just read for you a, a statement from CNN in part, quote, while the suit is specific to CNN and Acosta, this could have happened to anyone. If left anyone. This could have happened to anyone. I'm doing this for all of you. <laughs> I'm trying to protect everybody else. 
you know, Donald Trump, he just went after me because he hates me. But any one of you could be next. No, not really, Jim. Not really. You see, the rest of them, Jim, don't stand up and ask five, six, seven, eight questions after they've been told to sit down repeatedly. And the rest of them don't yell out things from across the room. And the rest of them don't jump up and interrupt other people when they're asking questions. The rest of them don't go, wah, on an intern's arm. So it couldn't be, it really couldn't be anyone. It had to be you. It had to be you. It had to be you. I wandered around and I finally found somebody who can tell lies like you do. Who doesn't report on the news? It had to be you. Wonderful you. It had to be you. ...chilling effect for any journalist who covers our elected officials. So with me now, uh, one of the lead attorneys retained by... Chilling effect might be good. See, that's in their court case. This will have a chilling effect on the way reporters, you know, talk to the president. That might be a good thing. Like, how, how many times have you been watching a press gaggle or, like, a press conference and you've thought, geez, man, these guys, these fuckers just need to chill. <laughs> just chill. Everybody chill. It's not Hitler. It's not World War Three. It's not the end of the world. Just chill out, will you? CNN puts in their court case, this might have a chilling effect. The judge might turn around and go, that's exactly what we fucking need right now. Aren't CNN the ones talking about how, oh, we need to ramp down the rhetoric. Everyone's getting too heated. Everyone's getting too extreme. It's getting too hot in the trenches. One one minute it's getting far too extreme. Next minute they're worried about a chilling effect. How, how, <laughs> what the fuck are we supposed to do here, CNN? Can, can you follow it? I can't. Somebody needs to ramp down the rhetoric, but they better not have a chilling effect while doing it. <laughs> CNN, Ted Olson, is the former Solicitor General for former President George W. Bush, and also with me, CNN Chief Media Correspondent Brian Stelter. So Stelter. Me, uh, oh, wait, we didn't... Oh, and, Stelter. And Ted Olson, starting with you, sir. How, how awful of me. How awful of me. I nearly forgot. Weekly Stelter. Balance has been restored in the force. Sorry about that, Brian. Just explain CNN's position here. First of all, this is a very, very important case. Uh-huh. As CNN said in that statement, which you just read, this could happen to any journalist by any politician. We cannot, the First Amendment is one of the most important bulwarks of our liberty and our freedom. <laughs> Presidents over history have complained about it, but most of the presidents at the end of the day have realized... (laughs) Look at the smug, look at the smug on Bride here. The First Amendment, the First Amendment is one of the most important bulwarks. And Brooke's like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Brian's smiling, yes, yes. But now he's looking down at his feet because he knows uh, half of the time he hates the First Amendment. (laughs) InfoWars needs to be banned off every single platform. They say outrageous things. It's really, it's very, it's a very, it's a fine line between CNN and InfoWars, I think. The antics of Jim Acosta. To be, to be brutally honest, like, you know, Alex Jones takes a lot of flack 
you know, a lot of people attack Alex Jones. He was really the pioneer of this alternative media universe that we're all operating in right now. And, you know, yeah, here's the thing with Alex. You can, I trust the guy. Now, that doesn't mean that I think everything he says is true, but I trust his, like, his rawness and his passion. I trust someone more when they're ranting and raving, oh, my God, this is horrible. Ah. I trust that more than a guy standing there, like, all stiff, like he's got a pole shoved up his ass going, today there was a cloud of confusion over the White House as the president attacked Robert Mueller. Like, I don't trust that. I'm like, come on, man, loosen up. Chill. We need a chilling effect. The amendment is absolutely necessary. It is the public's window into what public officials are doing. Journalists cannot be silenced, censored. You see, he gave up the game right there, didn't he? This is the public's window into what's happening. And like, yes, that's why you don't want anybody else talking about it. This is why you want to be the only people that control. You want to be the station between the public and the politicians. So every comment, every blurb, every idea, every policy, every source has to be washed through you before it gets out there to the rest of the people. This, this is the fundamental problem with the corporate media, ladies and gentlemen. They may or may not be in favour of quote-unquote free speech, but they are definitely in favour of their supremacy, their superiority as being the filter between politics and you. Because this is, this is all they have. And every new little Periscope account, every new little Twitter account, every YouTube account that pops up, pop, 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 pop. Like every little, every little quasar in the universe that erupts. And like Galaxy CNN is watching through their big long lens telescope at the rest of the universe at all of these quasars that are now filling the night sky. And they're like, they don't need us anymore. They don't need us anymore. What the hell are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? How the hell are we supposed to shape and mould public opinion if people aren't watching us anymore? Uh Uh-oh. I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I guess we better engage in activism on camera instead. Jim Acosta, ladies and gentlemen, a man who would never, a man who would never trash norms or ethics when it comes to journalism in his role as the chief White House correspondent. Here he was just a few months ago. I don't know if you heard it. Donald Trump's obviously signed some very important bill. He's got all the generals there. It's a very highly protocoled, it's, it's, you know, it's a sacred little moment, this kind of stuff. The president's sitting there signing a bill. It might have been the defense bill or something like that. All the generals are around. There is a certain level of decorum when it comes to journalistic integrity. You have to respect certain things. For example, never reveal your sources is one of them. But there's more than that. There is more than that one. Now, CNN, to their credit, 
never reveal their sources to the point of nobody even knows if they actually have any sources or if they're just making them up. So, you know, you've got to give them a tip of the hat for that. But in this moment, it is not Jim Acosta's role to then yell out, Mr. Trump, what did you mean by Kirsten Gillibrand will do anything for an endorsement? Will do anything for a campaign contribution? Like, and you can just imagine other reporters. Other reporters, I mean, if they weren't completely devoid of a soul, that if I'm in that room, I turn around to Jim and go, what the fuck is your problem? Like, do you not, do you not understand where you are? Do you not understand the, the, like, the gravity of this moment here? Can you not respect that? But he probably gets, he probably gets uh, elbows in the ribs. <laughs> Good one, Jim. You got him, Jim. Jimbo. Oh, man, did you see that brutal takedown of Trump today? Fuck yeah, Jimbo, you the man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's what we're dealing with. Let's carry on. Or intimidated, and that's the end of the line. The White House cannot get away with this. Ted, uh, <laughs> CNN did ask the White House. <laughs> He can't get away with this. <laughs> it's not like we haven't heard that before. Donald Trump and the White House can't get away with it. They can't get away with this. This time it's over. This time it's the end. It's the end for Donald Trump. Hang on. Let me get my diary out. Let, let me get my diary out of times the Donald Trump presidency came to an end. Hang on. Just give me a second. Hang on. <sighs> Woo. Nearly broke the desk. All right. Page 1,376. Let me jot this down. On the 14th of November, Donald Trump can't get away with this. Okay, good. Good. I better keep that book handy. I have a feeling I'll be using it again very shortly. For some sort of explanation, what, uh, what did we get? Well, we first of all got an explanation about there was some physical contact between the reporter, uh, Jim Acosta, and the intern who was uh, dealing with the microphone. They backed away from that because it wasn't justified by anybody uh, who watched the tape. (laughs) Real news, ladies and gentlemen. Real news. Real news. It wasn't justified by anybody who watched the tape that Jim Acosta touched the, the White House aide. It wasn't justified by any... Like, like they have to justify it. <laughs> this guy obviously didn't see the fucking tape. They called up Ted Olson. Ted, Ted, did you watch that tape before you go? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got like the Pats game on, you know. <laughs> watching the baseball or something. Yeah, I'll watch the tape. I'll watch it later. I've seen the tape. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Key Wizards like what? <laughs> they backed away from that. I don't think they backed away from it. What the hell are you talking about? Nobody's backing away from it. If anything, CNN wants to back away from the whole Jim didn't touch anybody thing because it's in completely like off the hook insane to say it. Cuz everybody can see the tape. Everybody's watched the tape. Everybody knows he touched her. Like this isn't a debate. This isn't this isn't like a conference call situation here. Oh, did you did you touch her? Did you not touch her? Well, you know, define touch. Uh, you know, maybe I, t- I I I didn't touch her. 
I might have touched her, but I didn't touch her. You know, <laughs> what the hell are we talking? <laughs> this is their lawyer. If their lawyer goes into court and says, Jim Acosta did not touch that woman, anybody who's seen the tape could corroborate. <laughs> it's like, ouch. Get this court case out of here. And then, of course, they'll turn around and say, the judge was appointed by Donald Trump. The judge is a Donald Trump loyalist. <laughs> trust me. If this, trust me, you heard it here first. If this court case gets thrown out on tomorrow, you watch the first opinion pieces. They'll, it'll all be about how this guy was appointed by Donald Trump. Five will get you ten. Then the president said, well, we can't have people in this room who don't respect the president or respect the presidency. The uh, First Amendment requires robust, <clears throat> aggressive reporting. Reporters must be free uh, to ask tough questions uh, and to be persistent about it. And they don't bow down or take an oath before they walk into that White House. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that settled. Reporters and, you know, people in the media must be allowed to ask aggressive, robust questions. Okay, remember that. Remember that. This is a CNN lawyer. They must be allowed to ask aggressive and robust questions. All right? Ready? Oliver Darcy with Brooke Baldwin talking about how Alex Jones got kicked off every fucking platform on the internet. Let's rock and roll. Jones. Obviously, what he spews is hate and it's abhorrent, but how many ah. folks are on the other side saying freedom of speech? A lot of people are, uh, particularly Jones's defenders, are, are saying that they're worried that this might lead to other pages, particularly conservative media pages, mm-hmm. uh, being removed. I, I think it's important to note, though, that Alex Jones had really flagrantly violated a lot of the community standards that YouTube, that Facebook, oh. that Apple have had in place for quite some time. Oh. I- the, the standards. Now we care about the standards. Look at the arms crossed here when she's talking about Alex Jones. Look at the look on her face. I, I think she's amazing. I find her very alluring, Brooke Baldwin, just because of the, the dripping animosity that she has <laughs> for everybody else. <laughs> I, find that, I find that quality incredibly attractive. <laughs> Someone that just hates you. It's like, I need this. I need this person in my life. <laughs> All right, so we're, let, let, let me go back. Let me play it again. There's some, some kind of free speech issue. With Alex Jones. Obviously, what he spews is hate, and it's abhorrent, uh, but how many folks are... People need to be... Uh, the the media needs to be allowed to ask robust questions, but what Alex Jones spews is hate. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Better late than never. Uh, let's check out... Oh, hang on, we'll just play it a little bit more. So they need to be allowed to ask robust questions, but any questions that we don't agree with must be hateful. Okay. <laughs> on the other side, saying don't you just love it? A lot of people are, uh, particularly Jones's defenders, are, are Jones's defenders. That worried that this might lead to other pages, particularly conservative media pages, mm-hmm. uh, being removed. See, even that, like, like I said, <clears throat> you could. I reckon in a hundred years' time, CNN will be studied in the new universities of the future, which won't be so. Would you say ingrained with persistent intergenerational stupidity? And the new universities of the future will study this stuff and go, okay, this this is the problem. This is where we went wrong. This is why we need to fix the media. Because even what he said there, like. Oh, Jones's defenders. But 
a lot of the people that defended Alex Jones on this whole thing of getting busted on every single platform, they didn't even like Alex Jones. They're not Jones's defenders. They're defending a principle. But no, no, no. See, this is this is how you know you're dealing with somebody who has no principles. Because to them, everybody like it's just the identity. It's the it's the Jones identity. You must be de- oh, if if you're coming to the defense of somebody who was kicked off uh, platforms and stuff, you must really like that person. It's like no, 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 no. You don't have to really like that person to defend the principle. I mean, that's that's the whole point of the principle. Like I, I don't even block. I don't ban people. I don't block anyone. I am a free speech guy. And if you want to come in and call me all sorts of names and hate, I love that. Like, I crave it. I welcome it. Please, attack me. You do so at your own peril. You do so at your own peril, but you can attack me nonetheless. Right? Feel free. Have at it. Like, that's my principle. Everyone can have a say. In fact, I want to listen to the crazy guy more than I want to listen to the sane person. Maybe the crazy guy will tell me something that I haven't heard before. Maybe the crazy guy is more interesting. Right? If everybody just, uh, you know, this again, this is why we, we're talking about the, the PC era is coming to an end, ladies and gentlemen. Because if everybody is just funneled into a very narrow, you know, like artificially funneled into a very narrow train of thought, then there, there is only one destination. It's like we're all on a, a set of train tracks and there's no there's no getting off it. I like to think, like, you know, this might just be me, but I like to think of speech as, you know, the way it pictures in my mind is like, uh, you're a cork floating in an ocean, you know? And speech and rhetoric and communication and conversation and dialogue, these are the, you know, the, the, the lifting tides, these are the wash, these are the waves that wash over you, the cork, and it throws you around from one place to another. And, like, and it's pure freedom. You know, you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're just getting bashed from one direction to the next to the next. That's free speech. That's the way it should be. You want to be surrounded by as much speech as possible. And you want it to push you and pull you and move you as a person in any direction. High, low, good, bad, whatever. But then on the opponent's side in the PC culture, they just want you on a set of train tracks. And there shall be no deviation. You shall not step outside the bounds. You shall no, You shall never experience again any kind of you know, emotional reaction that's worth a shit. You shall never again be surprised by somebody's speech. You shall never again go into, uh, you know, watching a lecture or watching something on the media or watching somebody talk with an anticipation that you may see something that you haven't seen before. Like, that's to end. That's supposed to be over with. Everything is to be expected and bland and controlled and boring for your safety. Like, we're doing this for you. We care about what you take into your brain. Let's let's get to that, actually. Same guy on the Brian Stelter Show. We better hit the promo again for Brian. I know he loves it. 
Let's rock and roll. Did you hear about the Democrats launching a civil war on July 4th? No? Must have missed it? InfoWars hoaxer Alex <laughs> Jones claimed it was going to happen. He claimed so there was going to be a new civil war on <laughs> July 4th. It's just the latest example of an InfoWars hoax. Brian, I watched on CNN as one as as one of your panelists said that the caravan was imaginary. Oh, I guess I guess I guess the imaginary caravan turned out to be real. I guess you were just hoaxing people, right? Like, why why is this a problem for you? Why is this offensive to you? We know why, but let's carry on. A story that was totally made up and designed to deceive people. Jones does this all the time. So here's a big question. Do tech giants like Facebook... A story that was designed to deceive people. Jones does this all the time. Now let's cut to Jim Acosta. Yes, Brian, I'm standing out the front of the White House where a cloud of confusion seemed to consume Washington today as people who believe that Donald Trump is a dictator sought to reach out to his compatriot, Vladimir Putin. What? Sorry, what? How can we unblurry the lines between commentary and straight reporting? Uh, well, you can't you, <clears throat> you can't do it for other people. Other people are always going to I mean, it's as old as writing itself, right? I mean, I how old's how old is the book Rhetoric? It's written thousands of years ago. So there's always going to be this kind of, you know, stuff that's injected, but the the key is uh, being able to identify it and I've said it before I'll say it again once you see it you can't unsee it once you're aware of what these people are saying and how they're using ma- uh, language and how they're manipulating it once you once you see it you can't stop seeing it you'll you'll pick it like that let's carry on have any obligation to stop Infowars in its tracks you know these companies say they are working hard every day to stop the spread of misinformation and they'd say they want to help people find reliable sources. Here you go. One day this week, I was at a press event at YouTube all about this. And the next day, CNN's Oliver Darcy was at a Facebook event about this. So he asked a simple question. How can Facebook be serious about fighting misinformation and still let InfoWars have... Uh, did he just admit that both himself and Oliver Darcy won? Brian Stelter was at a YouTube conference asking when are you going to take down Alex Jones and Oliver Darcy was at a Facebook conference saying when are you going to take down Alex Jones? Really? <laughs> the, the guardians of free speech, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> have a page with nearly one million followers. Wow, a million followers. Here to tell us Ooh. what happened next is CNN senior media reporter Oliver Darcy. Let's talk about why Facebook reacted the way it did. You asked this question at a press event. Here's a part of Facebook's answer in this kind of formal statement they issued later. They say, look, we see pages on our site that are on both the left and the right pumping out what they consider opinion or analysis but which oh. others call fake news. We uh. believe banning these pages would be contrary to the basic principles of free speech. Yep. So what do we do? Instead, we demote individual posts that are huh. reported by Facebook users and rated as false by fact checkers. So that's the Facebook explanation. Why does it not hold water? Right. Well, I, the, I went to this press event where they aim to tout their fight against misinformation and conspiracy theories online. <laughs> and after the presentation, I asked a very simple question. How can you host Infowars and then sit there and tell us that you take uh, misinformation online to be seriously? He specifically pointed out Infowars. How can you host Infowars? Everything they say is misinformation. Everything they say is wrong. 
But oh wait, I thought I thought we were in favour of free speech over here. I thought I thought we liked it when uh, reporters asked robust questions. Do you remember that? Do you remember the whole point was about reporters being allowed to ask robust questions? Ladies and gentlemen, the CN, CNN attorney who is suing the White House for kicking out Jim Acosta. Now, uh, one of the lead attorneys retained by CNN, Ted Olson, is the former Solicitor General for former President George W. Bush and also with me, CNN Chief Media Correspondent Brian Stelter. So, gentlemen... Uh, Any, anyone notice wherever wherever shit goes, Brian follows? Anyone notice that? Why is he on all of these, all of these grabs? I don't know. Good to see both of you and, and Ted Olson. Starting with you, sir, c- could you first just explain CNN's position here? First of all, this is a very, very important case. As uh. CNN said in that statement which you just read, this could happen to any journalist by any politician. We oh! cannot the first- <laughs> it could happen to anyone. It could happen to anyone. It already did, Ted. It already did. First Amendment is one of the most important bulwarks ah, the First of our Amendment. We love our the freedom. First Amendment. Presidents over history have complained about it, but most of the presidents at the end of the day have realized First Amendment. the First we Amendment love is the First absolutely Amendment. necessary. It yes, is the it's necessary. It's very window important. into what public yes, officials yes. are doing. This journalists cannot be silenced, censored, no. or intimidated. Journalists cannot be silenced, censored, or intimidated. CNN, ladies and gentlemen. Oliver Darcy, CNN, their chief media reporter. Facebook explanation. <laughs> Why does it not hold water? Right. Well, I, the, I went to this press event where they aim to tout chief their fight media against reporter. misinformation and conspiracy theories online. Conspiracy and theories. after the presentation, I asked a very simple question. How can you host InfoWars and then sit there and tell us that you take uh, misinformation <laughs> online to be seriously? And at the time, the, the Facebook executive... <laughs> Reporters cannot be silenced or censored or intimidated. Later on CNN, why reporters should be silenced, censored, and intimidated. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't you love it when shit works out? Don't you love the universe sometimes? Tell me more, Mr. Darcy. Just didn't really have a good answer. But the answer from Facebook is pretty clear. They say... We demote those BS stories so fewer people see them. That, that is action. Right. It, it, it is action, and that's Facebook's argument. I think uh, a lot of people are saying maybe that's not enough action. Uh, uh, why would you poison, um, poison. people with uh, false information if you're <laughs> acknowledging that it's not good information? It's, it's not good enough. For a- <laughs> why would you poison people with false information? InfoWars is poisoning. <laughs> I mean, I mean, on the one hand, Alex Jones is apparently a kook that nobody takes seriously. On the other hand, he's poisoning the population. Like, can we just can we just stick to the story, please? I mean, it's either really important or it's not. If it's not important, then who cares what he says? If it is important, well, then I thought you were all about the First Amendment. I thought it was important for reporters to ask dangerous questions. Like, that's what we just heard from your own fucking attorney. Your own attorney thinks it's vital that no reporter, no media personality should ever be censored or intimidated. It's vital for media to be able to ask hard questions. Not apparent, apparently not according to the media reporter. The media reporter says, well, you can't be poisoning people. 
by the way. Um, it's, I think this one was Brooke. Yeah, Brooke was saying, oh, it's all about opinion. Let's go. Uh, some people like to think that this is just an opinion thing, right? With Alex Jones. I mean, obviously, what he spews is hate and it's abhorrent, but how many folks are on the other side saying freedom of speech? A lot of people are, uh, particularly Jones's defenders, are, are saying that they're worried that this might lead to other pages, particularly conservative media pages, mm-hmm. uh, being removed. I, I think it's important to note, though, that Alex Jones had really flagrantly violated a lot of the community standards, uh, community that, YouTube, standards. that Facebook, that Apple have had in place for quite some time. Okay, standards that are in place for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Acosta pissing on the standards that have been in place for a long time. Let's go. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to challenge you on, on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if you don't <laughs> mind, Mr. President, <laughs> that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. As it's you a, know, Mr. It's President. It's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. Uh, why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants in not this election no, to try to keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need right. the people. Your you know, campaign... Wait, your campaign... wait. wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. But your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It pour, it, but they it, weren't it, actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And, uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, <laughs> I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. <laughs> right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let would me be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay. ask <laughs> one other question, Mr. President, if I, if I may ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's about, enough. Oh, there's a the thing me, that never happened. There's a thing that never happened. Mr. President, I had one other question, if I may ask, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's sit enough. Down, Put Jim. down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictment? He's, he just keeps going. But I thought we cared about standards. I thought we cared about community standards. Cynthia, thanks for joining us. I thought we cared about community standards. Like, I thought we cared about decorum and ethics. He's been asked repeatedly to sit down. He's been given about six questions. He just keeps going. He just keeps mouthing off. He's debating. As you know, Mr. President, it's not an invasion. What do you mean, as I know? I'm telling you it's an invasion. That's my opinion. you got a different opinion. Well, Mr. President, you're wrong. I'm sorry, what? I thought we cared about standards. We really like it, though. Like, what we really like, though is when people have the opportunity, like what we really care about, ladies and gentlemen, is, you know, people in the media being allowed to ask hard questions. Fight against misinformation and conspiracy theories online. And after the presentation, I asked a very simple question. How can you host Infowars and then sit there and tell us that you take uh, misinformation online to be seriously? Ah, I see. Carry on, Jim. I said carry on. It's coming down in this investigation. 
Mr. President. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. <laughs> the finger. You Look be at the finger. For CNN. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter, go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts his Well, I'm not like a big fan of, of yours either, so. I understand. Know, <laughs> so, let me, so let me ask you a question if I can. You repeatedly you said. Are, you are the best. Mr. President, you repeatedly. Look, he gets over up. The course okay, of the, just sit down, please. Well, when you, when you report you, fake news. He gets news, up. No, look out. Look at this. When you report look fake this. news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President. Look, he, he's, look at him. He doesn't even have the mic anymore. He's standing up. He's yelling. He's interrupting. He's debating. I thought we cared about standards. I thought we cared about standards, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently not. Apparently not. Here's an interesting little one. Let me throw this up here. Legal insurrection. Jim Acosta and his media enablers are on the verge of creating a law that will damage journalism. I thought this was an interesting take. Bad facts make bad law is a common saying. What that means is bad facts in a specific case can create legal precedent that is damaging to others, not just the bad actor in the case. Nowhere is that more clear than in the pending motion by Jim Acosta and CNN, publicly supporting by over uh, publicly supported by over a dozen major media outlets, requesting a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction forcing the White House to restore Acosta's press hard pass. <clears throat> The court is scheduled to rule, rule Friday, tomorrow at 10 a.m., and all way, you know, excited for that, we all are. The hard pass, according to Acosta's complaint, would allow him regular and unescorted access to the White House and White House briefings. That is a privileged status compared to other journalists, usually with smaller publications who have to apply for day passes or wait in line. He wants special entitled treatment, ladies and gentlemen. Acosta privilege. The government has opposed the motion on the grounds, among others, that the White House has wide discretion in who it allows into the White House, including journalists, and even could refuse to allow any journalists into the White House. That position, which is likely correct, has generated shock and awe. The government further argues that the facts here, it was well within its discretion since Acosta disrupted a press conference by refusing to yield the floor and the microphone. Acosta also physically prevented an intern from taking back the microphone, as demonstrated clearly by the video, but the government lawyers uh, apparently argued that their case did not depend on the physical interaction between Acosta and the intern. He's totally fucked. There's no way this is getting through. Prior to this case, there was not a lot of law on the subject of White House power to exclude individual reporters. The one case seemingly on point relied upon by Acosta and CNN, Shirrell versus Knight, in 1977 is distinguishable because it involved a reporter from the far left-wing Nation magazine who the White House granted a press pass but was who was denied by the Secret Service based on security considerations. The Secret Service would not reveal to the reporter why he had not passed the security screening and there was no process for him to contest it. The court did not order that the reporter have access but did require that there would be a due process for such denials. Thus, the Cheryl case did not involve a reporter who the White House did not want admitted onto the property. 
Uh, reciprocal norm is that reporters who get hard passes while they may ask difficult and contentious questions do not abuse the privileged access status of hard passes by disrupting press conferences or other events. That was a big fail for Jim. Acosta has pushed these norms to the extreme ever since Trump took office. He is a showboater who makes everything about him. He shouts questions in very dramatic fashion. He offers commentary and criticism as if he were a political opponent and the press conference were a debate. But here's the interesting one. Listen to this. The breach of norms by Acosta was significant and could constitute the bad facts that establish in law a president's ability to control press events and access to the White House. A court should be very hesitant to micromanage not only White House access, but how the White House handles press events at the White House. If Trump prevails, it will have implications far beyond Jim Acosta and CNN. It would establish presidential legal authority in an area that pre-Acosta was left mostly to norms of behaviour. So before Acosta fucked it up for everyone, Acosta has literally fucked it up for everyone. And, and, and they're so stupid, they're patting him on the back. They're saying, good on you, Jim. You got him. Good for you, Jim. You, you take this bastard down. But the reality is, if this goes to court and Donald Trump wins, we now have legal precedent for just kicking people out of the White House, reporters. Like, like, like this was, before this was just like an established norm. It was kind of like an ethics thing. It was a, you know, like a, would you say like a, there was an unwritten decorum about these interactions in White House press briefings and White House uh, interactions with the press. But thanks to Jim Acosta, if Donald Trump wins this case, now we have legal precedent. So anybody can just be kicked out at any time. And again, these idiots are patting him on the back for it. By contrast, if Trump loses, he may have to allow Acosta into press events, but he doesn't have to call on him. So the stakes are very high for the press and relatively low for Trump. Because so Jim Acosta could spend the next two years sitting there not being allowed to ask a single question. Of course, Jim Acosta being Jim Acosta, he will jump up at every single opportunity and scream out questions anyway, because that's what he does. But nobody has to answer him. It's like, all right, Jim, you can come in. Just sit down and shut up. No one's talking to you. (laughs) What good is a White House reporter if they don't actually get to ask any questions for the people that they're working for, Jim? Didn't consider that, did you, mate? Uh, Let's do this. Someone uh, added me with this the other day. Tucker Carlson talking about the power of the internet over the establishment media. Talk to a young person, you may be one of them, probably are, who is not with the program, doesn't need to be a right-winger or whatever, but not with the program. You know what the program is, what we're all required to believe, all the lies that we're required by law to tell all day long. So let's say you don't believe that, and you're 22 and you're in a college. You have decided that you're thinking for yourself. That is a radical act in the current moment, Okay. And you're getting all of your information from like-minded people on the internet. And it really is like a religious awakening. Talk to some of these kids. I know you know what I'm talking about. If you've just been in college, like you're reading stuff, you're like, wait, everything they're telling me is a total lie. Because it is. That is happening across this country. I meet these kids. My children are some of them. And I don't mean anything creepy, hateful, anything like that. But once you start to realize the amount of dishonesty out there, 
Like it's over. They can't control you again. They can't control your brain, which is exactly what they're trying to do. We can control people's behavior. Societies are allowed to do that. You can't sleep in a crosswalk. Not allowed. But we've never tried to control people's minds because that's the definition of totalitarianism. That's now what we're trying to do. Why are we trying to do that? Because the people in charge realize that the free exchange of information online makes it actually impossible for them to control what people think. So I spend my whole life complaining about the propaganda on these dumb TV networks we compete with, and Crush, by the way. But the truth is, <laughs> it doesn't matter. None of that matters. It doesn't matter what Stephanie Rule says in the morning or whatever the Don Lemon guy or whatever on CNN. I'm pronouncing it that way. I know it's not correct, but it makes me laugh, so that's what I'm calling him, Don Lemon. <laughs> it doesn't matter because nobody younger than me well into middle age, is ever going to see it. Because young people don't watch that stuff because it's too dumb. They read the internet where you can say whatever you want. So it wouldn't even occur to them to believe Don Lamont, or me for that matter, I'm being honest, because they have another source. And the people in charge of deciding what the rest of us believe know this. And it's scary. Scares the shit out of him, I think he was about to say. Pretty good stuff. All right. We might take a very short break. We'll be back in five. Thanks for sticking around. If you do, if you don't, have a good night. We'll see you next time. We'll be back in five. We'll visit the little boys' room. Make yourself a fresh drink. Got plenty more coming up. The caravan. Some news in Florida. A surprising... A surprising entry from Jake Tapper, which I absolutely have to show you because it's fantastic. And of course, the creepy prawn, the creepy prawn, the creepy porn brawler, <laughs> the creepy prawn brawler. Who brawns, who brawls prawns? I don't know. We'll find out. See you in five. Hola, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged. Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TAVshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TAVshow.com. Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, StreamMe, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. Now that is a freaking awesome I think a lot of it is he's free where they're not. If you are on the side of 
the politically correct, then you are... It's like you're constrained by the weapon that you're trying to hit somebody else with. Does that make sense? Like, you can't, you can't profess the virtues of political correctness and overt sensitivity and not offending people and then come out and do it because you'll be a traitor to your own cause. So if you don't sign up to that politically correct mindset, if you don't fall into the I must not offend crowd, then you're really free. And they're not because they can't attack, they can only attack you by saying how offensive you are. And if it's particularly unpopular at the time to be, you know, uh, politically correct, then guess what? Every single time that you use the only weapon that you can, which is political correctness, you get less popular. And the person that you're attacking gets more popular just by the fact that you're attacking them. Because if you're saying that these people are so politically correct, like they, they can't say whatever they want, every time you try to attack the guy, you prove his point. You, you make him stronger. It's like trying to fire nukes into the sun and think you're going to blow it up. It doesn't work that way. You're just adding to the combustion. It's not going to stop. It's not, it's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. The way these people approach it, they, they just don't get it. He, he's not going to just suddenly snap out of it. He's not going to start being what you want him to be. It's only going to get faster and harder. But they, they don't see that. They don't understand. So, that, I mean, because that's the bubble. That's the privileged bubble of going straight from college into a, you know, into the media and living in that environment and all of your colleagues agree with you. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. We're back. Welcome back, welcome back, yes, welcome back. see you again hope you had fun thanks for joining us again by the way guys my girls know boogie by voice and james by scenery well that's i'll, I'll take that i'll take that there's not much scenery here um 
<laughs> Although I do live in the most beautiful country on earth, that being Australia, my particular part of the country is often referred to by everyone else in the country as the arsehole of the country. <laughs> so, I'm glad I got the voice at least because it's not a lot of... I can't show you a beach. I can show you a bunch of factories if you like a factory. I know chicks really dig factories. Um, I can show you traffic. There's a lot of traffic here in my part of town. Uh, we've got the hands as well. We've got the hands as well. Thanks to everyone who's become a Patreon, by the way. It does mean a lot. I don't like talking about it, but it does mean a lot. Just so you know. Everyone that becomes a Patreon gets a personal message from me. Say, thanks, man. Thanks, man. But you both laugh like you are brothers. Well, we are brothers. We are brothers from other mothers. This is true. This much is true. I cannot deny. I cannot deny. I've often said, um, you know, I don't like... James and I are pretty similar. We don't like to watch too much. Well, one, we're, we're both very busy. See, uh, we're similar in that we both do like a very... We both do very classic blue-collar work as our day job. So everything that we do outside of that is all, you know, outside of work. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about people, like, uh, but uh, other people have a lot more time to dedicate to this kind of endeavour, like I'm doing here with the podcasting and the broadcasting, and James does. James does, uh, you know, even a lot more work than I do behind the scenes with uh, producing other people's shows and stuff. I have um, a couple of clients that I produce podcasts for, but... It's nothing compared to what he does. So, I mean, you know, other people have a lot more time to, you know, do this kind of stuff. So we're very similar in that regard. We're both very blue-collar guys, but uh, also because we're so because we're so busy, you know, working and then we're doing our own thing, we don't get a lot of time to absorb other people's periscopes and stuff. And, you know, it's not like we're being rude or anything. But we don't get a lot of time to. But then, you know, I'm like him. I don't really like to either because you don't want your train of thought to be, you know, pushed in a certain direction. And what we find a lot is, you know, the people that we listen to, um, the people, you know, the circles that we run in, we tend to, you know, we're not plagiarizing each other. We tend to have the same thought trains. Now, that could be a, you know, a process of like natural magnetism, or not, um, James and I disagree on certain things, but we agree on a lot of stuff as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty contrarian by nature anyway, so if I'm in a room full of people agreeing, I, I will subconsciously look for a point of disagreement and present it because <laughs> I just, you know, there's something about consensus that irks me. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like being in a room with, you know, 100 people that all agree with something. You know, rightly or wrongly, that that doesn't seem natural to me. And I'm like, you know what? This we need an interject. We need an interjection here of something else, some other perspective, something maybe maybe no one's thought of this. Let's try this. <clears throat> and I think that's important. But yeah, a bit like that. We don't get to watch other things, so no way, says Sandra. Anyway, where were we? Creepy porn brawler. Michael Avenatti arrested on suspicion of domestic violence. 
in Los Angeles. Let's have a look to see what the man's got to say for himself today. I have never struck a woman. I never will strike a woman. I have been an advocate for women's rights. My- I never had sexual relations with that woman. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Does, didn't that remind you of that? Do you want to say it again? That that was like, it was like he was reading from the Bill Clinton school of media deception. I have never struck a woman. I never will. I never had sexual relations with that woman. It's like, I've heard this. I've heard this before. I've heard this routine before, Mickey. Mickey Avenatti, you old dog. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, we can't we can't assume too much. Let's carry on. Strike a woman. I have been an advocate for women's rights my entire career, and I'm going to continue to be. I cracked a mirror. Says uh, my kid here does the same shit. Boogie always a different opinion. Ah, oh, well, you should you should love that child immensely. Because <laughs> often when you grow up, um, you know, taking opposite opinions to everybody else, whether it be in the family or in class. You often find yourself on the outside of the circle, comrade. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> An advocate. Wouldn't change I am a thing. not going to be intimidated from stopping what I am doing. I am a father to two beautiful, smart daughters. I would never disrespect them by touching a woman inappropriately or striking yeah. a woman. Okay. I am looking forward to a full investigation oh, at which another point investigation I am confident that I will be fully exonerated I also want to thank everyone for their support that has reached out you know my character you know me as a man but but Michael somebody's making a claim against you Michael Michael don't you remember when somebody makes a claim against you I know you remember. I know you know that character is irrelevant, Michael. I know that you know that somebody's character, it doesn't matter if there's one person or two people or 50 people or even 100 people that might even sign a letter, which might even go to the Senate, under which if they lie, they can be found guilty of perjury when they attest to somebody's impeccable character in the face of allegations, Michael. I know that you know that these are, you know, very silly, very antiquated, very misogynistic views, Michael. I know that you know this, Michael. Foisted on your own petard, sir. Foisted on your own petard. Uh, speaking of speaking to somebody's character, ladies and gentlemen, and speaking of allegations, I present to you on MSNBC, Michael Avenatti. Let's go. Michael Avenatti uh, now joins me on the telephone. Uh, Mr. Avenatti, you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Michael, why wait until 1130 uh, the morning before the Senate Judiciary Committee is set to uh, hear from this first accuser um, to drop a bombshell like this? 
Well, that, that's not what happened. We revealed the allegations on Sunday. We conversed with the committee on Sunday. They didn't need to know the name of my client to begin an investigation. We had detailed correspondence that we sent to them on Monday morning, which I have posted and disseminated. They never got back to us. I asked for follow-up on Monday evening. They didn't get back to us Monday evening. They didn't get back to us yesterday. And we finally disclosed the client's name today because we had to take adequate security uh, procedures, make sure they were in place. This is a very serious matter. And ultimately, it's the client's determination. Yeah, Orlando 1 points out um, libtards expect the double standard of PC to protect them. Yeah, and you know what? Like, PC... It, it, it it's obviously there's obviously more of an infection on the left, but let's not kid ourselves. There's PC on the right as well. Like there are certain taboo topics that if you're if you you could be on the right, like you might make a joke or something, or you might you know bring up an inappropriate uh, you know discussion point, and you watch the PC kick on the right as well. I'm always testing that because I'm I'm anti PC. You know, I'm not I'm not for a one party state. And when all when all speech is controlled down increasingly narrow lines, that's what you end up with. Where everybody agrees, that's a one party state. I'm against that. I hate that. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. You know, if 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 you're in a room with, with everybody agreeing, some you it's it's your duty to disagree and to make an argument to the counter. Because ideas only ideas can only be trusted if they're if they're put up against the best possible defense, like the best possible counter argument. That's that's what you have to do. That's how we know the the good ideas live on, and that's how we know that the good ideas stay strong is because they come up against something that they can overcome. So, you know, PC is definitely going to go. And this is what we were talking about uh, earlier in the show. Like, it is going. It has to go. It, PC is the scourge of humanity. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And I've said this before in previous shows. People who have been around for a long time will know this. They're probably sick of hearing it. Um, you know, I knew, I knew Donald Trump would win 2016. Even though I cringe a little bit now that I'm still talking about the 2016 election. But that's a whole other topic. Because I think we kind of got to put that like, okay, that was a win. Now it's time to focus on future wins and stop focusing on past wins. Arguably, that's what the that's what got the conservatives in trouble in the first place. Was worried about you know the past victories instead of the future war and let their guard down. But putting that to one side, uh, the reason that I was like in favour of Trump winning was like the number what the absolute number one thing. People had all of the all of their reasons and, you know, tax or regulation or immigration or whatever. I was like, no, no, no. The only reason I want Trump to win is, like, more important than any of those things is PC has to die a very public, painful death. Political correctness has to go bye-bye. This, this artificial constraint on the minds of pe- so-called free people in the so-called free world needs to be loosened so we can once again exchange in open dialogue, like raw open dialogue with all of its with all of its downsides and all of its upsides. Because the reality is like if you control people's if you can control if you can constrain 
uh, people's thoughts, then you constrain the possibilities of speech. You constrain like the possibilities of solutions that you can have to problems. You know, if you're not allowed to say certain things, if you can't articulate certain things, then how can you possibly come up with uh, ideas or arguments or, you know, remedies or policies that nobody's thought of yet? And that might be the one that we're missing. Like there might be a solution to a problem that's out there, but everyone, nobody can articulate it because, you know, five or six levels down the linguistic ladder, that, that thought has been cut off before it even happens, before it occurs. And that's what needs to end more than anything else. So PC, will, will it is coming to an end. And the politicians, like, you know, like I said, um, I used to think I was, I was worried about a smooth talking, you know, next version of Barack Obama coming back in to whisk the White House away once again. But I'm no longer worried about that. I'd be worried about the straight talking Democrat, the guy who, you know, had a blue collar job, who talks like you and I who maybe got a little bit of a business going or something, maybe got a degree or something while he was running his business, that's the guy you got to worry about. The guy who says, no, uh, we need to kill the, um, you know, we need to kill illegal immigration because it will, it's going to hurt uh, American workers in the, you know, in the Rust Belt. That'll be the Democrat. And then the Republic, you watch the Republican media, <clears throat> well, they'll kick into PC mode. And the conservative media will then go, oh, he said he wants to kill immigrants, right? Don't, don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say it's not going to happen, because it will. But let's carry on. ...not mine or anybody else's, for that matter, as to when her identity is revealed. So we, we disclosed this days ago, and the fact of the matter is that Chairman Grassley, Mr. Davis, the counsel to the committee, Mitch McConnell, and others, they don't want the truth to be known regarding Brett Kavanaugh. There should be an immediate investigation, and there should be no rush to confirm him to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is a search for the truth. What does your client uh, want to happen immediately? She wants an FBI investigation to be launched immediately. She is prepared to meet with the FBI, disclose everything that she knows, disclose additional witnesses. Uh, You know, Brett Kavanaugh said the other night on Fox, that he wants an opportunity to be heard. Well, first of all, he's... There she is. The woman who accused... Uh, by the way, Michael Avenatti said she is 100% credible. The woman who accused him of being a gang rapist. Michael Avenatti demanded a, an investigation. She must be believed. And I believe this woman is now on the verge of being prosecuted for making up false claims. That's the way it rolls sometimes. That's the way it rolls sometimes. I have never struck a woman. I never will strike a woman. I have been an advocate for women's rights my entire career, and I'm going to continue to be. He's basically using the exact same lines as Brett Kavanaugh, isn't he? Isn't that the darndest thing? Michael, remember when Brett Kavanaugh was saying, I have never done anything to these women. I have been an advocate for women's rights my entire career. That's the exact same fucking line. Did anyone notice that? Brett Kavanaugh said, I have been an advocate for women my entire career. He's using the exact same lines. Is it, do, you, do you think that's by accident? Of course not. Michael Avenatti, if you want to be Machiavellian about it, 
Michael Avenatti is betting on the majority of the left um, just basically ignoring the crusade that they made against Brett Kavanaugh only a matter of weeks ago and pretending like that never happened and rushing to his defence because a lot of them will. And he's hoping that the, that number of people outnumber the people who will have some kind of principle that women should be believed no matter what. And you can disagree with the principle, but I mean, Alyssa Milano came out and said, I disavow Michael Avenatti. I retweeted it. I'm like, get this out there. Come on, get this out there. Let's 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 get this wedge happening. Let's make sure we wedge these fuckers. So he's counting on uh, the majority of his team, the you know the Democrat left, jumping on his side as opposed to the people who will disavow him. And here's here's a red pill for you because he knows that the Republican side of the ledger, well, at least he thinks he knows. He thinks he knows that the Republican side of the ledger will say. Well, you know, we've always been for due process and even though we don't like the guy, even though he treated Brett Kavanaugh so poorly, uh, he has a right to a fair trial and he, you know, the women, they're making allegations and, you know, but it's unfair to assume him to be guilty and he's laughing going, that's okay. That's all right. The other team isn't going to go after me. That's not their style. And you know, in a large in a large respect, he's right. But you know what I say? Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Live and die by your own rules, Mister Avenatti. You say people who make allegations need to be believed. Well, then you're fucked, son. And not a single tear was shed. Not a single ounce of sympathy was had. Because that's what happens when you make the rules and then you break the rules. Sorry, son. Many of your Democrat supporters on on this occasion, I'm a hundred percent with Alyssa Milano. I I will. That's why I retweeted her. Well done, Alyssa. Well done. You stand up for the victims. <laughs> you make sure you stand up for those victims, Alyssa. Disavow. I disavow Michael Avenatti. I, for one, am concerned that the party of women, the Democrat Party, aren't doing enough to come out against this horrible man. Women must be believed. Only an incredibly brave woman would come out and make allegations against such a powerful white man. You know, I voted Democrat my entire life. And I feel betrayed that the Democrat Party haven't come out more strongly against a powerful white privileged male and are standing with people who would make excuses for domestic violence. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I've been voting Democrat. My daddy voted Democrat. His daddy voted Democrat. We all been voting Democrat. I am on the verge, let me tell you, Wolf, I am on the verge of flipping to the Republican Party because I believe that the victims of domestic violence, they need to be protected more than the privileged white man. The white man in this this bully, this powerful white man who has all the money and the power and he's on the TV every night, I, you know, I, I feel I feel horrible for these women. These women need protection. And Nancy Pelosi right now needs to make a statement 
distancing herself from these allegations from uh, Avenatti. And because, you know, the Democrat Party cannot survive this kind of uh, reckless abandon. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You say any shit like that, you retweet it. Get that shit flying out there. Tear them apart. That's, that's, the, that's the rules now. Sorry. Someone sent this to me before. Actually, maybe we'll play a little video. Maybe we'll, we'll preface this with a little video. I want to show you this. This is really interesting. Um, well, it's kind of funny. This, this tells you what I'm talking about. Damn, Boogie. <laughs> sorry. Sorry if I offended anyone. Sorry if I offended anyone south of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not the best, but I'm definitely not the worst. Avenatti. <laughs> I cracked the mirror. Avenatti doesn't have money, does he? <laughs> You've got to see this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So what you're about to see, this was a little segment on Jake Tapper during the week, and they were discussing the Florida election, and they were saying that, uh, uh, is it Matt Gates? Yeah, Matt Gates, the panhandle guy. Uh, I think he's a con- is it Congressman Gates? Uh, yeah, it's Matt. Matt. He's a congressman, and he was saying that this is basically the Dems are learning how to steal for 2020, right? And they were saying, oh, how this re- this is ridiculous. This is a conspiracy theory. Very predictable stuff. But this this is the kind of shit that I'm talking about because from one minute to the next, the the um you know whatever opinion that you have at a particular time is completely and utterly irrelevant at the time. Like, it could be 30 seconds later when you need to have a different opinion based on, uh, you know, uh, automatic opposition to whatever the proposition is. Like, I know that's very complicated. So if the proposition being put forward is somehow, like, pro-republic, uh, pro-Republican or pro-principled Republican or whatever, you need to oppose that. But then if the, the very next scenario put forward to you is you know in a similar vein but it's like making the democrats look bad then you need to be for it do you see what i'm saying like check it out we're talking about the redhead girl here she she accuses matt gates of going like and donald trump of using very awful language like this is horrible language but then she praises a democrat saying the exact same thing because the democrats need a fighter (laughs) looks as though um, and yet there are Republicans uh, who continue uh, to cast aspersions about the process. I want you to take a listen uh, to Congressman Matt Gates giving an interview uh, on Breitbart Radio. <laughs> if the Democrats are able to learn now what techniques work and don't work, what transparency laws are going to be followed and which ones aren't, then it gives them a roadmap on how to steal the election from Donald Trump in 2020. I mean, what is that? What's going on? <laughs> so, so, so look, transparency is never a bad thing, right? Sure. Transparency is a great thing. I, I don't even know why that's so ridiculous, though. Oh, it's obvious. I mean, you know, you, you want to be brutally honest. If if you can win by cheating, then, you know, like, it's politics. Every Everybody's backstabbing everybody all the time. I, I, nothing annoys me more. If we could just get to this idea, like if 
politicians, trust me, politicians will use every opportunity possible to bend the rules. They might not be breaking rules, but they certainly try to squeeze the rules and bend the rules wherever fucking possible. And you know what? If they don't do that, they don't get elected. They don't get picked because the party comes up to them and says, whoa, 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 this guy, we can't have this guy. He's not willing to do what it takes. And if you're not willing to do what it takes, you don't even get the chance to run for an election. You're not in there. So if we could just all come to the, you know, the very sane, very rational, very adult conclusion that everybody in politics is operating all the time to either win power, keep power or stop someone else from getting power, then the world would be a better place. You know, we would we would do away with like 95% of our bullshit arguments. And we would realize it's not it's not like it's not um, you know, me the voter versus you the voter. It's us, the voters, versus them. Right? And, you, you know, like, um, <laughs> if shit hits the fan, you know, I've, I, you, I'm trying to explain this in a respectful way, but primarily the function of, like, uh, police and stuff is the same. Now, I'm not saying that police are bad guys. I'm not saying military are bad guys and stuff. But if the shit hits the fan and society collapses... Uh, the police and the military aren't going to save you from the bad guys. Their role then becomes to save the government from you. Like you, you become the bad. You do you know what I'm saying? Like in that, like if if society is breaking down and it's just rampant shit going on in every city, what do you think? The, do you think the cops are going to patrol around and like stop somebody from breaking into your house? No, they're they're guarding the governor's mansion, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in those kinds of situations, the, the law enforcement entities aren't protecting you from, you know, bad guys who are trying to rob you. They're protecting the government from you. It's not me, the voter, versus you, the voter. It's us, the voters, versus the politicians. So if we could just, you know, understand and come to the realisation that politics is a brutal cutthroat game, a merciless game... We, where, you know, people will use every advantage possible. They'll blackmail each other. They'll backstab each other. They will attempt to bend the rules wherever possible. They'll push ethics right to the boundary because it's all about one of three things, either getting power, keeping power, or stopping someone else from getting power. That's, that's it. Everything else bubbles on the surface of that. It's not to say that issues aren't important. It's not to say that values aren't important, but that's the way it works. And once you once you come at the problem with that with those you know with those new those newborn eyes, and see it for what it really is, it's very difficult to get a offended or b surprised anymore by anything that happens in politics. So let's keep it rolling. Matt Gates, the evil conspiracy theorist. What the hell? What the hell is that? Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper is confused and amazed that a politician would dare suggest that somebody would bend the rules to their advantage in politics. Oh, my God, Jake, it's horrible, horrible. How could he say such things? Oh, my God. Did you hear that? Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. Ah! He must be some kind of lunatic conspiracy theorist to even suggest that somebody would try somewhere in a future election to get votes that they haven't earned by just being a good fucking dude. Oh! 
My world is crashing down upon me! Wonders never cease! Let's carry on. But as we we talked about before, I I think what you're saying, you know, in Broward County and other places, right, it is a a, a complete breakdown of the system that should move pretty, pretty smoothly and pretty effectively. So by that system not running so smoothly, it enables folks to go on radio, talk shows and other places and kind of cast aspersions on the whole system. If, it, you know, if there was transparency in Broward County, if it was complete openness there, you wouldn't have folks on the right kind of saying, look, folks. I think, David, there's no question if we Here all we look go. at Broward County, it's a little horrifying that 18 years later we're still looking at this and the ballots are confusing and Democrats and Republicans can agree on that. However... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the Democrats in Broward County really agree that their their little institution in Broward County is run shit. Like, I'm sure I'm sure they agree with that. Yeah, Democrats and Republicans can agree that Broward County is a dog's breakfast. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure the I'm sure the Democrats who gain like ten, twenty, thirty thousand votes in Broward County are like, yeah, we need to we need to put a stop to this. <laughs> we need reform. I demand an investigation. <laughs> I do not deserve an advantage in Broward County. I demand I demand you hand my job to the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all agree. They all agree. <laughs> This is specifically language that President Trump Uh, used back when he was running for president, threatening that the election was going to be was rigged, questioning institutions. And you can see this person as a loyalist, this member of Congress as a loyalist, trying to see doubt already two years before the election about the outcome of the president. Okay, so the language that Donald Trump used is dangerous because he, you know, was casting aspersions and talking about the election being rigged. Of course. Uh, if she was being honest, she would actually agree with Trump. She would have to agree with Donald Trump because she would argue that the election was rigged against the Democrats. <laughs> Donald Trump came out and made crazy conspiracies about how the election could be rigged. Coming up after C- uh, six o'clock, how the election was rigged by the Russians. You see, you can just flip and flop. Whatever you need to say to be oppositional, that's what you say. And it could be one second to the next. So there you have it. Donald Trump's language was dangerous. He was talking about the elections being rigged, and Matt Gates was using the same kind of language. So let's carry on. You just said election. question institutions. We're just questioning Broward County. That's an institution. But, but I think, David, they're, this is, they're, they're my failing. point is this is much bigger than that. Well, he's alleging a conspiracy. I mean, he's, 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 saying, he's, he's saying Democrats are doing this so they can steal Florida from Trump. And you can do both. You can criticize them for being incompetent and not say that the 2020 election is going to be rigged. You don't have to pick one or the other. You can be critical of the way that they're, well, maybe they're both, or, or maybe both. Well, take a listen. <laughs> Republicans are not actually the only ones trashing the other party and sowing doubts about the integrity of the process. Yeah. Uh, take a, a look at uh, what it's being said about the Bravo, governor's race, which is also not over yet. Uh, Democrat uh, Stacey Abrams still trails uh, Republican uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, the race has not been called. Take a listen to what some Democrats have said. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. It's clear. If she'd had a fair election, she already would have won. Is that <laughs> really any different? from what uh, the Matt Gateses and Donald Trumps of the world are doing? The only difference is, is that ah, there's there always was, a qualifier. Uh, some, in terms of closing polling places, there was some shenanigans when it came to voter suppression in Georgia. Um, and it was documented fairly well even before the elections. That said, at this point, 
No, it's not. A big flat. No, I'm think, a big flat. And no, but, oh, no, 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 but I just, I, so, so I think, it, I, I think, yes, what they're doing right now, Sherrod Brown. Now, now keep an eye on the woman, the lovely young lady who just moments ago was talking about how the kind of language that we saw from Donald Trump before the 2016 election, that it might be rigged and, you know, casting doubt on the result, why that was bad. Okay. And that must stop. Now, wait for her comment on this particular incident. Today, yes, that is. Sure, Brown's running for president. But, Hillary Clinton's running for president. Oh, that's true. But I will say, I think the, the gold standard here is look at Arizona. You saw outside forces trying to make that into, trying to degrade the process, say it was stolen, and you had the Arizona officials saying, no, this is over, Cinema One, everybody shake hands, we good. Jen? Look, I think what Sherrod Brown went on to say is that gerrymandering and other issues and voter suppression, (laughs) which are real issues in Georgia, are contributing to this being unfair. He said it in a very ham-handed way. There it is! (laughs) He, He was trying to say something else. He What he said was the exact same thing as the thing that I hate that politician the, the the thing that I hate politicians saying was the exact same thing that this politician said, but I am interpreting it differently. I think he meant something else. What what he really was talking about was gerrymandering. Right? Like what he was really talking about was voter suppression. He said it in a way that was very similar to Matt Gates, but Matt Gates is a Republican, so fuck him. Fuck him. Because Matt Gates is a conspiracy theorist and he's using the dangerous and divisive language of Donald Trump in 2016, casting doubt over a future election. Sherrod Brown, well, he was talking about very considerate issues. He might have said it the same way, but God, I mean, what are you, stupid? He totally meant something else. Totally meant something else. You see? Doesn't matter. When your own words don't matter, then what's the difference? Uh, President Obama attacking Trump over the migrant caravan. And by the way, they're even using our brave troops, sending them down as a political stunt. Men and women of our military deserve better than that. But the reason I'm saying all this Listen up now, Indiana. The reason I'm saying all this is important. Unfortunately, sometimes these tactics of scaring people Ah. and making stuff up work. There's got to be consequences when people don't tell the truth. Got to be consequences. There's got to be consequences when people don't tell the truth, Barack. Preach it, brother. Testify. Oh, just before we get to our next article here, I almost forgot. <clears throat> a Arizona GOP chairman announcement. Remember how Kristen Cinema won and everyone shook hands and it was all good? Outside forces tried to make something of it when they shouldn't have. I'll have to get rid of that. Uh, this was sent to me by David. Thanks for sending it, Dave. Uh, Arizona Republican Party Chairman Jonathan Lyons today announces the formation of an independent audit to review the actions of the Maricopa County Recorder's Office in the recent midterm elections. Specifically, the investigation will research and report on, one, the recorder's decision to open emergency voting centres prior to Election Day, two, Election Day voting procedures and challenges, three, the ballot counting results uh, reporting process, and four, allegations of fraud in the election. 
The independent audit will analyse the recorder's recorder's compliance with applicable state and federal law and review all available documents. So didn't we just hear on CNN how it was like outside forces tried to come into Arizona and, you know, they tried to drum up this talk, this Donald Trump-esque talk of some kind of fraud. But at the end of the day... Everyone agreed. Everyone shook hands. They said, well done. And Kirsten Cinema won. Apparently not. Apparently not. I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine why CNN is called fake news. Can you? Have you figured that out? Like, everyone agreed except the GOP chairman. <laughs> everyone agreed that it was all above board except the guys doing an investigation to find out for themselves. What are the odds? Ain't that the darndest thing? Uh, by the way, uh, the migrant caravan was just a political stunt. Just a political stunt. Thanks, Barack. You know, I think Barack Obama is very inspiring. And when he, t- when he spoke about that there needs to be consequences for when people tell lies, when people are- speak untruths, especially in regards to the migrant caravan, for example. Like, when he said that, that really hit me, like, deep down in the core. You know, like, I, I knew that he was the one at that moment. Like, I, I felt it. You know what I mean? It felt real. Like, And it's just so hard to explain why Barack Obama is just such a, you know, a wonderful, you know, bastion of truth, a fountain of truth. And when he comes out and says that there needs to be consequences for people when they tell lies in politics, well, I believe him. And when he said, you know, the migrant caravan was just a stunt and there's nobody coming, and then the day after the election, all the news about the caravan would just go away, well, he was right. And there should be consequences when people tell lies, when people tell untruths. Another group of Central American migrants arrives at the U.S.-Mexico border. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Barbara Lee Edwards. And I'm Steve Price. In tonight for Carlo, nearly nearly 400 additional Central American migrants arrived in Tijuana today. They are joining the more than 300 that arrived yesterday. As Mexican officials deal with the growing group on their side of the border, there's a big push along the U.S. side to put up razor wire security barriers along the border fence. CBS News 8's Heather Hope is live at Borderfield State Park tonight with what's happening right now. Heather? Oh, it's, an ima- it's imaginary. An influx of migrants already arrived here at our border, already congested. And this as troops have been sent down to just assist with the state border patrol in order to help as they're reinforcing the structure along the fencing. Making their way at the border, close to 350 migrants from Honduras are the latest group to arrive, some making the dangerous trek by water, others just seeing how far they can go. This, as the San Diego Border Patrol has strengthened and reinforced safety measures by adding razor-sharp wire to the border fencing. Yes, we are preparing for a different dynamic, but we're constantly trying to improve the border here and improve the infrastructure. We're preparing for a different dynamic, but it's all fake. It's all a it's all a stunt. This is all stunt. These guys are stuntmen. These guys were actually like these guys were actually actors from Mission Impossible movies. Like I don't know if you know that. These guys aren't really border guys. These guys aren't really involved in any kind of American law enforcement. These guys are Tom Cruise body doubles from Mission Impossible films over the last 10 years. I I just want you to know. You need to know the truth. There needs to be consequences for when people make stuff up. 
Right, Barack? The reason I'm saying all this, listen up now, Indiana, the reason I'm saying all this is important. Unfortunately, sometimes these tactics of scaring people and making stuff up work. Yeah. There's got to be consequences when people don't tell the truth. Yeah. Hell yeah. Testify. This is a military support of law enforcement mission. We are not here. In- what? This is a military support of law, like law enforcement. What? I thought. I thought. What about? What about? They're even using the troops. You know, for this political stunt. Isn't there consequences for people who lie? Nothing works. You know, you can't have a marriage if your partner's just lying to you all the time. You can't have a business if your business partners say, here's what we're going to be doing, and then they do the complete opposite. Ah, so when Donald Trump said we're going to send a military to the border, he was obviously lying. It's a big political stunt, right? That's like that thing that's really going to threaten Gary in the end. There should be consequences for when people lie. Carry on. Enforcement role. It's an already congested border at San Ysidro, the busiest port crossing in the world. Customs and Border Protection closed some lanes, but that still leaves a large path for tens of thousands of people to cross daily. First, there came 85 members of the LGBT community and then more than 300 caravan what? members Tuesday and now over 700 migrants. So far, many say they are fleeing poverty, gang violence and political instability in Central American countries, uh. including Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua and El Salvador. <laughs> Some say they will just sit and wait at the border son, and watch. You will be arrested and you will be... Pro- son, son, I'm afraid if you're fleeing political instability, what the fuck are you doing showing up in America? The guy, the place is going to hell. Haven't you heard? There's a that Adolf Hitler is in the White House. He's he's attacking the free press at every opportunity. There's riots in the street, the patriarchy. Oh my god. Consider the fucking racism. Oh, I'm 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 fleeing political instability. Welcome to Chicago. Woo! I'm fleeing political instability. We need to kick out this dictator immediately. Hello, hello, my name is Jose. I'm a Honduran and I'm fleeing to America because I crave political stability. (laughs) Tonight on CNN, how migrants are fleeing to America, escaping political instability. Coming up after that, Don Lemon, why Donald Trump is turning America into an instable, <laughs> instable, an unstable dictatorship. Ah. How did he lose his voice? By talking too much. By talking too much. I know how he feels. So there you have it. Very good stuff. All right, let's get to your stuff. Thanks for sticking with us, by the way, guys. It's been a great show. Carrie G sent this in. Eastern Michigan University College Office cancels the vagina monologues. What? I won't stand for any cancellation of vaginas. Ever. Because, well, not all women have vaginas. Oh, bravo. Bravo. (laughs) I didn't see that one coming. Fantastic. (laughs) The (laughs) way... She can't be the first lady if she's really a he, says Mike. 
<laughs> Pardon me. The Women's Resource Centre at Eastern Michigan University no longer will host the vagina monologues because the play lacks diversity and inclusion and focuses on cisgendered women and excludes transgenders. Do you remember what we were talking about at the start of the show in regards to PC? How long do you really give these people? Like, think about it. Like, in a, in a cultural timeline sense. Oh, thank you, Lemon Tree. In a cultural timeline sense, how long do you think politically correct the politically correct culture will survive when a very feminist, like the, the Vagina Monologues is a very feminist um, play. Very uber feminist. It is now, you know, exclusive and lacks diversity because they're not considering in this uber feminist play all of the women who have penises. Like, how long do you possibly... How long do you think politically correct culture can last? Like, I don't know, a year? Two years? Five years, tops? Like, it's... it's, it's they're not going... They're, like, there will be no winding back of PC. PC can only go one direction, and that's to more control. You can't ever step back from political correctness. Like, you can't be politically correct up to a point. You have to be politically correct all the way, by definition. So where it goes, you must follow. And if it goes directly into the cultural ditch to be set on fire and pissed on by the generations who follow, then that's where it goes. Because you all know this to be inherently true. If you're part of the politically correct movement and you get to a point where you're like, hang on, guys, this is crazy... Do you know what the politically correct people who were your comrades do at that point? They turn around and point the gun at you. Whoa, whoa. Come on, dude. I, I thought I thought you were I thought you, you know, you respected people. You might be like, yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm very politically correct. Like I don't want to offend anybody. But don't you think it's kind of bad to be kicking out a play about feminism because we're because it's exclusive to women with penises? Like, don't you think that's wrong? And they'll go, get rid of the bigot. Get rid of the transphobe. The second that you divert from the politically correct train, which is flying right into the ditch at 100 miles an hour, the second that you divert from that, you become another enemy. And once you become an enemy of the politically correct, it's very, very, very easy to see why it was always wrong from the beginning. And it's only a matter of time. The politically correct train is moving so fast that people are flying out of the windows. The Senate's decision came on the heels, this is the article, of a survey launched after conversations with current students as well as feedback from a WRC workshop titled, quote, Not All Women Have Vaginas during the 2017-18 academic year, the outlet said. We feel that making this decision is in line with the WRC mission of recognising and celebrating the diverse representations of women even if they aren't women, on campus, along with the overall mission of the Department of Diversity and Community Involvement in which the WRC is housed. 
of supporting and empowering minoritized minoritized <laughs> God. One of one of the most offensive things about PC culture is the way they butcher language. Minoritized students. What the fuck are you talking about? And challenging systems and structures that perpetuate inequities. God. We truly believe that it is important to centre our minoritised students and this decision is in line with this mission and driven value. Well, good luck with that. <clears throat> good luck with that, Michigan College. I'm sure I'm sure everybody's just waiting to get on board with the new version of the vagina monologues, which will obviously contain penis. The vagina monologues, now with more penis. I can't wait to see that show. I believe in female empowerment, which is exactly why I want to see more male genitals on stage. I am Nancy Pelosi from San Francisco. Nancy Pelosi trying Tide Pods. It's very good. It's a very good meme. Nice. For the moment, I like this better because I like darker tide. So, I'm, no offense to either brand, I would say this is the tide. Tide pod experts. Wow, well done. Well done. That's fire. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Saturday Night Live from Kimmy Jong-un. Oh, heartwarming story I couldn't resist. Bat Kid is now cancer-free after five years. Oh, let's check this out. Let's have a feel-good one. She gets racist here. Looks exactly like her. I know, right? Minority is a verb. Example, Jake put skin bronzer in the water supply. He minoritized the city. <laughs> General Eaton. <laughs> I didn't know skin bronzer works from the inside out. It seems it seems the basic function of the stomach has also changed to suit our politically correct society. On that day, Bat Kid saved San Francisco. The Cape Crusader behind the mask, a five-year-old with leukemia, fulfilling his wish of becoming a real-life superhero. Now, a new documentary reveals how an entire metropolis helped plan the surprise. Tonight, ABC's David Muir takes us behind the scenes with the team giving a child his very own superpowers. Well, this is a letdown. The famous Golden Gate Bridge. The beauty of a city getting ready. Live trucks pulling into place. Batman. Suiting. So it's obviously San Francisco because they're talking about the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, is Batman doing anything to address the mounting piles of human shit in the streets? Because that, that would be the biggest job for Batman right now. And he wouldn't even need like a Batmobile. We would get him the Bat truck. And he wouldn't need the gadget belt. It just just get him a broom and a shovel, the bat shovel. He can have the bat shovel on his belt, and we'll send send him out into town. 
and we'll back the bat truck up. <laughs> and Batman can use the bat shovel to shovel the bat shit into the back of the bat truck. We didn't tell him anything about the wish. That's Miles' mother, Natalie, in on the secret wish about to be granted by Make-A-Wish. The next wave of just seeing so many people who physically wanted to come to San Francisco, it was scary. Thinking about that many people in one spot and then I'm trying to orchestrate an event, <laughs> will it meet their expectations? Miles, just five years old, on his... I know this is a very touching and beautiful moment, but I have to address the comment from Sam. He's the first homosexual Batman. <laughs> Because straight away, I'm just, I couldn't help it. Like, I go to stereotypes. It's like, Joker, stop, stop. Oh, my God, Joker, you're not even, like, that funny. Come on. Stefan, Stefan, bring me the bat pole again. <laughs> the Batmobile is like a pink Cadillac. <laughs> Batman calls it Guano. <laughs> Gotham City, look out! Just way back from visiting relatives in Idaho. We went to Idaho. Out of cell phone service, our phones just started blowing up on the way home. There was an article in the Huffington newspaper down in San Francisco and Huffington Post, I think it is. Where did I go for a week? You know, all of a sudden, it's the world's upside down. What are we? The what father of that kid. What's this? Come here. Even our ABC station in San Francisco, in on it. Police Chief Greg Sir called an impromptu press conference where he issued a very urgent message. Gotham City needs you, Batman. This is Police Chief Greg Sir, only hoping you can hear my voice. Bring the Bat Kid. Listen to Miles. Don't you call me right now. We have a damsel in distress. Finally, so knock on the door. It was Batman ready to pick up Bat Kid, but remember, Miles had no idea. You better get dressed. It was funny because once he put on the costume, it was like, he just did this. He's just like, there he was. <laughs> oh, come on. Where's the rest of the clip? What the hell is this? Oh, come on. It was just getting to the good stuff. Maybe back here is offensive now. I don't know. That is pretty special when shit like that happens. Good on them. Good on everyone for chipping in. Yeah, for some reason the video's crapped out. Well, it is San Francisco. Makes it makes makes sense for the video to shit itself. Probably in the street in front of a cafe somewhere. Well done. Well done, San Francisco. You did good. You did good there. Saturday Night Live, she really needs a microphone. And the White House suspended CNN reporter Jim Acosta, claiming that during a press conference, he placed his hands on a female staffer who then tried to take away his microphone. And then the White House was... Wait, I'm sorry? Wait. I, oh, no. What are you I doing? Need I'm sorry, you can't take my pencil. No, that's not... I'm sorry, is this the... <laughs> this is that White House intern who tried to grab the mic from Jim... No, you cannot just take my pencil. Undo your microphone. No, you can't take my microphone. Okay, this is... Where did you go? Where are you going? What are you doing right now? I need your microphone. Wait, who are you I'm talking to? I need your microphone. I'm right here. You cannot have my microphone. Okay, this is not. You're attacking me right now. Okay. Okay. I don't. Where is she? Do you want to sit? What do you? No. Are you crawling? Are you... 
It's just not I acceptable. Yeah, you can't. We get it. No, you cannot take my microphone. No, you cannot. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that's my pencil. White House press intern, everyone. Yeah, not bad. Did everyone see the thing that they did with um, the the politician who's got the eye patch, the guy who lost his eye um, in battle? I thought that was really good. That was a nice touch. That was more what I remember um, like TV comedy to be. You know, again, uh, the, the same people that lament how highly charged the political environment is do everything they possibly can to stick the jumper leads into the political environment and then gun the engine at every opportunity. When, you know, just a little bit, sometimes a little bit of lighthearted banter either way. Like, has everyone forgotten how to laugh at themselves all of a sudden? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think people are willing to laugh at themselves uh, if you give them a chance. You know what I mean? Just got to give them a chance. I mean, if you just if you just repeatedly for you know years and years and years, you know, just really just going like to the lowest common denominator. Are we back? Did you drop out there for a second? Not sure if we're back. Not sure if you got me. I think we're still on. But if, yeah, if you're just going for years and years and years for the lowest common denominator, then, you know, it's understandable that people would get tired of it. I don't, I don't particularly care. I'm not very, um, I'm not easily offended. But I can understand why people would get tired of that shit. Do you know what I mean? Mother Jones. Oh, this will be good. No, I'm not going to... I'll donate later, Mother Jones. I'll donate later. The acting Attorney General helped an alleged scam company hawk bizarre products. <laughs> Matthew Whitaker lent his name and status as an ex-US attorney to a firm touting time travel cryptocurrency and a toilet for the well-endowed. Well, I like him more already. <laughs> Got to get me one of those toilets. Just kidding. Just kidding. I sit down to pee so I don't offend anybody. I like to, you know, I don't like to offend people, so I always sit down to pee. But I hate getting water on the end of my dick. No, just kidding. In November 2014, a Miami-beached-based firm, World Pattern Marketing, announced the marketing launch of a masculine toilet. More, what does this toilet need? More power. You're damn right, more power. Which boasted a specially designed bowl to help well-endowed men (laughs) avoid unwanted contact with the porcelain or the water. (laughs) (laughs) Why? See, I'm not. not, they're, They're using this like a hit piece. This this shows you how how far Mother Jones has slipped. They think this is a bad thing. I guarantee you, anybody who's dumb enough to be reading this like me and Kimmy Jong-un who posted it, they, we're, we're like, oh, bravo. Bravo. This guy's a fucking genius. He's a genius. Why didn't anybody think of this before? <laughs> the average male genitalia is between five inches and six inches, the firm's press release said. However, 
This invention is designed for those of us who measure, <laughs> who measure longer than that. In the same release, World Patent Marketing also touted the recent appointment of Matthew G. Whitaker, former Iowa U.S. attorney and Republican candidate for the United States Senate, to the company's advisory board. See, this guy's a sh- this guy. This is exactly the kind of guy that should be in politics. He's really the kind of guy that should be in politics because this guy is an innovator. He thinks outside the outside the box. You know, we need a bigger toilet. We need a bigger toilet for all the big dicks swinging around Washington. (laughs) The special toilet was not the firm's only notable offering. It marketed a slew of oddball inventions, including a theoretical time travel commodity tied directly to the price of Bitcoin. This is fantastic stuff. Called Time Travel X and marketed as a technology and investment vehicle and a community of users, the cryptocurrency never materialized. The firm also pitched Sasquatch dolls, promoting them with a video claiming, quote, DNA evidence collected in 2013 proves that Bigfoot does exist. Ah, oh, this is sensational. i got to see this. And now, another great invention from World Patent Marketing. These guys are off the hook. I've got to buy some of these products. The search will continue. Watch world. <laughs> yes. Come visit Squatch World. Fun for the whole family. Come and see Bigfoots living in their natural habitat in cute little houses. Squatch World. You'll feel right at home. Excellent. Federal authorities say world patent marketing was scam. Ah, come on. Come on. This is capitalism at its best. If I can sell tickets for Bigfoot shows, then if people are dumb enough to buy the tickets, why the fuck can't I make money doing that? See, I I don't think you need to crack down hard on snake oil salesmen. Eventually, the customer will figure it out. The customer will figure out that it is indeed snake oil and they'll stop buying it. If they don't stop buying it, then, you know, they kind of deserve it. <laughs> like, why is this a problem? Let the market decide. What, am I Am I supposed to feel sorry for people too stupid to not buy, you know, tickets to Sas- Sasquatch World or whatever it is? Go for it. I don't care. Spend your money. Someone came up with this idea. Who the hell am I to say that it's wrong? We live in a very fluid reality right now. Cindy Hyde-Smith refuses to apologise for public hanging comment. I don't know who Cindy Hyde-Smith is. I'm about to find out. Republican Senator Sydney... Sydney... It's getting late. We must be getting close to that time. Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi... Mississippi... 
Misha Shipper, who is facing a runoff to keep the seat she was appointed to earlier this year, is refusing to apologise that if a local cattle rancher invited me to a public hanging, I'd be on the front row. Why should she apologise for that? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? They're figuring it out. They're figuring it out that the PC shit is going down the toilet. She's like, no, I'm not, I'm not apologising. Go to hell. Go to hell. I'll see you at the hanging. The comment, which was caught on camera by journalist and blogger Lamar White Jr. during a campaign stop in Tupelo, has sparked an intense backlash. It's always an intense backlash. You know what? A backlash is only as intense as you allow it to be. Really. Like, especially if you're a politician or something. You know, if if I'm a politician and people come running into my office and say, sir, sir, 5,000 people are complaining about you on Twitter. I'm like, who gives a fuck? (laughs) Tell me what they really don't like, and I'll make a comment about that today. Fuck the backlash. Let's let's capitalize on it. For every 5,000 Twitter followers getting involved on a backlash on social media, there's probably about 50,000 people that agree with you who aren't on Twitter. Let's be honest. The comment, which was caught on camera by, uh, has sparked an intense backlash. Mississippi has a gruesome history of lynching. From 1882 to 1968, 581 people were lynched there, more than in any other state. Hyde Smith's Democratic opponent, Mike Espy, is black, as are 40% of the state's residents. Ah, so she was a racist. Ah, okay. Yep, that's going to work. On Sunday night, Hyde Smith released the following statement. In a comment on November 2, I referred to accepting an invitation to a speaking engagement. In referencing the one who invited me, I used an exaggerated expression of regard, and any attempt to turn this into a negative connotation is ridiculous. And then they go, not exactly an apology. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, not, it's not even close to an apology. It's actually a complete refudiation of, you know, the demands for an apology, if you read it, not exactly an apology. Like, she must apologise. But we all know in this day and age, there's really no point to uh, apologising at all. Because if you apologise, you're showing weakness. And, you know, this is, this is like intrinsically true. If you're a personality and you make a comment and then thousands of people demand an apology, if you actually come out and apologise, what, do you think that they turn around and go, oh, okay, leave him alone now, he apologised? No, of course not. They go, that, that apology wasn't good enough. You need to be fired from all potential employment in the future because they smell weakness. An apology is not an apology to people who demand apologies. Like, if, here's the thing. Like, if, if you say something to me, if I demand an apology from you, does your apology actually make me feel better? Of course not. It doesn't take away, like, whatever hurt I felt in the first place. That's assuming that people were actually feeling hurt and just u- instead of just using it for a political wedge. But let's just assume that people actually felt hurt by her making this comment. Why they would, I'm not sure, because, you know, if she's not talking to you, then why the fuck are you getting upset about it to begin with? But just assume you felt hurt. If she comes out and apologises, do you feel better now? Of course not. Of course not. What you do get, though, is rewarded. I'm terribly sorry. When somebody grovels at your feet, gives you a sense of power. And this demanding of apology stuff in PC culture, remember, we've been talking all night about the death of PC culture. Demanding of apologies is not about... Here's, here's the trick for you. Here's, here's, the, here's the inside running on this. 
The demanding of apologies is not about making you feel better. The demanding of apologies is all about power. Because here's the power trick. They are saying that I have the power to make you denounce your own speech. Like you will come to me. I will decide for you what you can and can't say. I am the gatekeeper to your thoughts and your speech. I have the power to make you denounce yourself. You will bow to me. Everything that you say will be washed through my prism of acceptable language. I own your ass. That's what the demanding of apologies is. And that's why you should never apologize in that context. I mean, obviously, if you're, talk- if you're dealing with loved ones or something, you get into a fight and, you know, you say something, yeah, fucking bitch, you should probably apologize for that. Unless you want poison in your breakfast. <laughs> but as far as, um, you know, in politics and people making comments on Twitter, no, no, sorry. Don't think so. Democrat Mississippi Senate hopeful misled about 750G lobbying contract with African despot. Democratic Senate hopeful in Mississippi cashed in 750 large after lobbying on behalf of an African despot currently on trial for crimes against humanity at the International Criminal Court. Mike Espy, a former lobbyist and U.S. Agricultural Secretary under President Bill Clinton, is running against Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, who was appointed as a temporary successor to longtime Republican Senator Chad Chad Thad Cochran after his retirement in April. Neither Hyde-Smith nor Espy managed to break the required 50% of the vote last week, forcing a November 27 runoff election which has largely been forgotten in the wake of Florida's electoral aftermath chaos. Espy lost to the Republican by less than one point. The Democrat endured little scrutiny thanks to all the focus on key states like Florida, while the state of Mississippi hasn't been elected a Democratic hasn't elected a Democratic senator since 1982 was ignored. But Fox News can reveal the Espy paid was paid 750 grand in 2011 by then Ivory Coast president Laurent Gabargo's government, the payment appears to contradict Espy's previous statements that he accepted just a portion of it. Well, you know, I took 50 grand from an African dictator. I took 750 grand. What's the difference, really? Easy money. Easy money. Hey, if, you know, if a dictator in Africa wants to send me 750 grand, Lord knows I've replied to so many of those emails. I mean, I, I must have given my bank account details to at least half a dozen Nigerian princes and I still haven't got a fucking dollar. So if you are listening, uh, dictator of the Ivory Coast, get in touch, boogie bumper, follow me on Twitter. Uh, let's do a deal because i got to get what's coming to me. Carrie Underwood is having another willy. Oh, no. Is this a vagina monologues reference? Soon find out. Brad Paisley coaxed pregnant singer singer Carrie Underwood into revealing that her next baby will be a boy. I, I don't even know why we're watching this. I don't know what's going on here. I don't even know who Carrie Underwood is. Just look at these beautiful people all dressed up down here. And what about this amazing lady standing right next to me, Miss Carrie Underwood? Who the fuck is Carrie Underwood? Have you been 
working out? I have, actually. And you have really let yourself go. Yeah, I'm pregnant. What? Why doesn't anybody tell me anything? When did this happen? And how? Well, Brad, when a mommy really loves a daddy... Hey, you remember last time when I accidentally revealed the gender of your baby? I mean, who could ever forget hashtag Brad Blew it? Tonight, we're going to reveal something even more exciting. Who the father is. I know who Mike, the father is. we're all rooting for you, buddy. Yep. Uh, thanks for reminding me why I don't watch awards shows, Kimmy. Well done. <laughs> I know you were just going for the title, but you reminded me of why I do not watch award shows. Play this just because, whatever, from Steph. Let's have a look. And then we'll go to Mini Brains grown in, grown in a Dish from Tom Chatelet, who always tries to mind fuck me. <laughs> I'm George W. Bush, leader of the free world. I want to bomb Iraq. And when the world says no, I say, yeah, whatever. Saddam has started to meet our demands. Yeah, whatever. I talked to Colin Powell. He said, Sir, maybe we should give the inspectors more time. I said, No, you know why? Because it's just my United States of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And this is my United States of whatever. President Bush. Hush up. Don't talk to me now. This is my United States of whatever. Leave it to me. Hello. This is Putin. Russia will veto war. Hmm. I see. Whatever. Mr. President, North Korea's got nukes. Oh, ding dong dong ding ding dong dong. Translation? Whatever! I am Bin Laden. You still have not caught me. I'm George W. You know what the W stands for? Yet. This is my United States of whatever. Hi, and this is ding ding dong. I ding ding dong dong. Whatever. I hope you got the message. <laughs> Steph, you're a fucking madman. <laughs> right, many brains grown in a dish have spontaneously produced human like brain waves for the first time. Uh oh. Guess, guess we found the source of all those new Democrat votes. Lab-grown mini-brains produce elect- uh, electrical patterns that resemble those of premature babies. Structures could help researchers to study the early stages of brain development disorders, including epilepsy. I guess we should just abort them. Abort the, abort the mini-brains. Mini-brains grown in a dish have spontaneously produced human-like brain waves for the first time, and the electrical patterns look similar to those seen in premature babies. The advancement could help scientists to study early brain development. Research in this area has been slow, partly because it is difficult to obtain fetal tissue samples for analysis and nearly impossible to examine a fetus in utero. Many, there is no fetus in utero. It's just a bunch of cells, remember? Many researchers are excited about the promise of these organoids. Organoids. It sounds like a kid's cartoon, doesn't it? The organoids. Billy and the Organoids. It's either a kid's cartoon or like an, a shitty 80s punk band. 
Yo, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to go head out and watch Billy and the Organoids. Which then, grown as 3D cultures, oh no, not another culture war, can develop some of the complex structures seen in brains. But the technology also raises questions about the ethics of creating miniature organs that could develop consciousness. You, you don't say. You don't say. Who would, who would have thought that there was an, an ethical issue with growing organs in a, in a tub, <laughs> growing organs in a Petri dish that start thinking for themselves? Why am I in a dish? Why was I made into an earlobe? Why am I a kidney? I need to be on stage. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? I'm one of the organoids. Very interesting stuff, Tom. Tom sends always always sends good stuff. And by the way, if you're not following Tom, please follow Tom and check out AmericanPriority.com, the American Priority Conference. Lots of great speakers going to be there. Pasobic, Luma, Couch, Tom Chatelet, most of all. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Luma, Couch, Pasobic, Cerno may drop in. It gives a fuck. Tom Chatelet, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Yeah, I saw this one. The Melbourne Reporter. Go back, fuck you. The next thing, they'll want to implant them in robots. Yeah, exactly. Why am I a kidney? I need to be on stage. I was I was born to be an organoid, not an organ. Don't you know the difference? Mindy Robinson. Melbourne reporter won't call it Islamic terrorism, so a patriot does it for her on live TV. You can see that Berg- Islamic terror! Street is a virtual... No Islamic terror! Are you out of your goddamn mind? Excuse me? Are you out of your mind? Say what it is! Are you out Say of your what mind? Say what it is! Say what it is, fake news! Say what it is! Why are you Donald Trump? Don't you love it when reporters try to act tough? Are you out of your goddamn mind? And then straight away she dropped the goddamn because she's like, oh, God, that might be offensive. (laughs) It's like we don't want to offend people by calling something Islamic terror, but we're more than happy to say, are you out of your goddamn mind? That's fine. That's okay. It is a virtual... Are you out of your goddamn mind? Excuse me? Are you out of your mind? Say what it is. Are you out Say of your what mind? Say what it is. Say what it is, fake news. Say what it is. Who are you, Donald Trump? Say what it is. You're a liar. Keep walking she approached me, mate. That's she approached me. Keep walking, please. I was standing here. You're on live television. You're on live TV right now. Yeah, good. It was an Islamic terrorist. Say it. Did everyone see the cameraman give the guy the finger then? Like the, the finger. And, you know, if you ever needed more evidence of the ethics of journalism in our day and age, it's when cameramen filming somebody give them the finger, which isn't shown on camera, in order to provoke a reaction from the person that they're filming. And then that would now be like, at six o'clock, it would be crazy man assaults cameraman, unprovoked attack. And they would film him going, that guy gave me the finger. Our cameraman, our cameraman strenuously denies the accusations that he gave the man the finger. And then it would cut to someone else. Well, this man was clearly an unhinged racist. He attacked our reporter on the street. He made allegations about Islamic terrorism. 
we don't put up with that kind of stuff. We demand an apology. We'll be we'll be seeking legal advice, etc., 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 etc. To be fair, like I'm I'm not someone that would jump in on a live, uh, you know, live news report and jump on the jump on the mic or anything. That's a douchebag move, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, when the when the cameraman's giving you the finger, trying to get a, re- a response out of you, well, that's pretty obvious what's going on, right? It's pretty obvious what's going on. But you know, to be fair, like again, the other way, he was kind of asking for it because he did jump on the he did jump on the microphone. Ah, uh, do you remember the fucker right in the pussy? Now we have to do that. If you're going to jump on the microphone, you have to say something that's worthwhile. Like, who cares about Islamic terrorism, really? A couple of people now in the chat going, what? Fuck, what? What What? What did he just say? <laughs> For old time's sake. Let's throw this up. Just for fun. F-H-R-I-T-P dot com. There is a new wave of photobombs that is kind of hitting the media. So all over the country, like this one guy did something a couple of months ago where he put these videos out where he ran in the middle of a live news shot and he said the words, bleep her right in the bleep. Part of a CXS right in the <laughs> People loved it, and they started doing their own versions of it. Yesterday, during the Arizona State football game, this guy was doing a live broadcast about the fact that, like, they're trying to crack down on drinking in front of the Arizona State Stadium. <laughs> you see this reporter's face is just like... Uh, and then they immediately <laughs> cut away to the cut, they cut to another thing. We gotta hear this one. Because it's like a compilation, like you're saying, of all the taunts to the local news, and there's a guy standing outside the sat truck. As soon as you go live, I'm gonna say you're right in the <laughs> Oh, I don't care if she's 20. Hell, I'd fuck her. You can't say you wouldn't fuck her. Maybe that's what I'll do when they find her. I'll, I'll go and fuck her. Fucker, right in a pussy. All right, well, we definitely apologize for that editing error in that story. We are going to switch gears now to the prospect of peace talks. It's uh, very, very unusual. The three victims were part of a CXS. You guys, right in a pussy. (laughs) You guys have never seen this. Oh my goodness! And obvious. Obviously, somebody has interfered you don't with remember this live from shot, a few years ago. Mike and running. We apologize for the profanity, which he also uh, said on our air. It is going to be a big cleanup. It took crews longer than anticipated to find the crack in the 64-year-old pipeline. I'm Look standing here Look with Fred, who says he, he was greatly impacted <laughs> by the gushing of oil. Can you tell us a little more of what you saw? I sure can. I was sitting on my front porch, grabbed a beer, and fuck her right in the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Warmer weather's on the way. Yeah, tomorrow looks pretty nice. To go that Adelaide wouldn't make a very good capital on the basis that next to bloody nobody lives there. It's like um, fucker in the pussy. Brazil beat up Chile 3 2, but it was a nail biter. It was a very, very close call. You've never seen. Oh, you're about to have a good time. How nervous were you guys watching this game? I was really nervous. Fuck her right in the pussy. Activation sequence control. Got an ATM. 
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Got her right in the pussy. für dieses Land. Kann man sich Fuck darüber richtig freuen? Ja, wir freuen uns total riesig. Aber es war ein... Uh, we'll take Cowboys Tent. They don't have to abide by the rules because they are on the ground. <laughs> She's got more on the search efforts, MB. Excuse me. For now, reporting live in Rancho Palos Verdes, Mary Beth McDay. We'll send it back to you in the studio. All right, Mary Beth, thank you. And we do want to apologize right now to our viewers for the comment that you heard at the beginning of that report when Mary Beth was live uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Again, our apologies here from KTLA. Yeah, boy, it is now live. And Ben, right now, a lot more calm than it was earlier for you. Well, you know, this is really where the action was for most of the night up until this point. Arthur actually became Category 2 storm just off the coast here, about 60 miles. That was after a lot of wind and a lot Ooh. of water. <laughs> as soon as you go live, I'm going to say fucker right in the pussy. <laughs> Just let Whatever you know. You're see. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> fucker right in the pussy. There you go. If you <laughs> if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a um you know a mic bomb on TV, make sure you say something worthwhile, something timeless, something for the ages, something that humanity years from now can look back on and smile. You know, don't just say oh Islamic terrorism. You you call back on the will and the spirit of your forefathers. You channel the universe and the cosmos and the gods. You reach down deep inside your soul and you grab that microphone and scream into it. Fucker, right in the pussy. All right. Couple of entries here from Nick Pulse, congressional candidate Nick Pulse. Feds collect record taxes in October, still run $100 billion deficit. I probably shouldn't have played that video before I went to Nick Pulse's entries. <laughs> Just realised. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> I do not associate with lewd Australians. Someone hacked my account and posted on his Twitter feed. <laughs> the federal government collected record tax revenues of $252 billion in October. The first month of fiscal 2019, according to monthly Treasury statement released on Tuesday. Despite the record tax collections, the government still ran a deficit of more than $100 billion for the month because it spent $353 billion. This October's record in total tax collections, total, in total tax collections, 
what was it, 11 trillion? What the? More than 241 trillion in constant trillion. God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> this this October's record, 252 billion. It's getting late. I'm seeing double. I better have another sip of my beverage. Hmm. Total tax collections was 11 billion more than the 241 that the federal government collected in October 2017, which was the previous record for federal tax collections in October. I guess this is relevant because people are talking about the tax cuts, right? So everyone said, well, the tax cuts uh, the tax cuts are not going to generate more revenue, tax revenue. I mean, it happened before, hasn't it? It's happened before with different presidents and different politicians, not just in America, but in the Western world more generally. If you lower the tax rate, people spend more money. When people spend more money, they pay more tax. Corporation income tax receipts, however, were significantly higher this October than they were in October 2017. This year, the Treasury collected $8 billion in corporate income taxes in October. Last year, it collected $3.8 billion. The $8 billion in corporation income tax revenues the Treasury collected this October is the largest amount since October 2015 when the Treasury collected $10 billion in corporation income taxes. There you go. Interesting stuff. Tax cuts. I'm always for tax cuts. I'm for tax cuts because I'm against tax. <laughs> really? <laughs> James is laughing his ass off. <laughs> it was the Russians. It was the Russians, Tom, we know. Pentagon fails its first ever audit, official says. Oh, what a surprise. What a big, what a big stinking surprise this is. Uh, the Pentagon has failed what is being called its first ever comprehensive audit, a senior official said on Thursday, finding US Department, US Defense Department accounting discrepancies that could take years to resolve. Years. Yes, where's all the money gone? Results of the inspection conducted by some 1,200 auditors. Wow. And, and it's still going to take them years. This is further evidence that our bureaucrats are really slow. <laughs> uh, including on weapon systems, military personnel and property were expected to be completed later in the day. We were never expected to pass it. Deputy Secretary of Defence Patrick Shanahan told reporters, well, at least he's honest. I mean, if you have low expectations going in, then you're seldom going to be disappointed. Well, we failed the audit, but we weren't going to pass that fucking thing. Come on. We've just invested $4 billion in the well-endowed male toilets made by now current AG Matthew Whitaker. Fuck a ride in the pussy! The U.S. defense budget for the 2018 fiscal year that ended on September 30 was about $700 billion. The Pentagon is a huge agency with multiple branches of the military, costly weapon systems, large personnel needs, numerous military bases of various sizes at home and abroad, and troops deployed in far-flung locales. Shanahan said areas the Pentagon must improve upon on the, based on the audit results include compliance with cybersecurity policies, improving inventory accuracy... <laughs> In improving inventory accuracy. What the hell is going on? Johnson. Yes, sir. How many of those uh, secret energy weapon satellites do we have? I don't know. Four or five? What? <laughs> Johnson. Yes, sir. 
Have you counted the stealth the stealth bombers, the super secret alien craft stealth bombers that we have in the bunker? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I think it was somewhere around the 20 mark, but I lent one out to Davis, who wanted to impress some girls at the In-N-Out Burger. What the hell are you talking about, Johnson? We need to improve our inventory accuracy. It was unclear what consequences there would be after the audit, but Shanahan said the focus would be on fixing the issues. Yes, because we mustn't focus on the issue itself. We must focus on the solution. (laughs) How did we get this issue in the first place? Who cares? How are we going to fix it? That's the problem. That way, none of us have to be responsible for anything. Well done, Pentagon. Well done. The free world is in safe hands as long as we can find all of the secret weapons that we can no longer account for. Tom Chalet, this is one of the most important debate topics. Saving the best for last here. If you aren't familiar with gene editing, gene drives, or CRISPR, here's a very basic crash course. Let's do this. Let's check this out. Imagine if we could stop mosquitoes from carrying malaria for good, or prevent ticks from transmitting Lyme disease, or eliminate the billions of dollars of damage caused by bugs to our food supply each year. Gene drives are a radical new approach to genetic engineering that could help us achieve these goals and a whole lot more besides. Yet as you might expect, the tech... You know, I've, I've often wondered why can't we genetically engineer termites to carve wooden furniture? Like, wouldn't that just be amazing? If we could get the termites to make the chairs and the tables, we could basically get rid of all the carpenters. And then we can make turn the carpenters into something else. Sorry, any carpenters who are in the audience. But wouldn't it be awesome to have genetically engineered termites create furniture for us? How about genetically engineered cows that make chocolate milk? Straight, straight from the udder to your glass. Technology is not risk-free. Gene drives are designed to eliminate unwanted traits in insects and other animals. They work by pushing out genetic modifications through whole species until eventually every critter has been changed into something we have intentionally engineered. The idea isn't especially new, but it's only very recently that advanced gene editing techniques have made human-designed gene drives possible. And at the heart of this revolution is a new technique for precision engineering genes, clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats, or if you're not into brain-bending tongue twisters, CRISPR for short. CRISPR uses specially designed molecules that run along the strands of DNA in an organism's genome. Carpenters become termite wranglers since <laughs> Once found, they snip out the old code and paste in the new. It's essentially a sophisticated biological search and replace technology that allows scientists to easily modify the genetic traits of an organism, such as replacing the parts of a mosquito's genome that allows it to host... Look, I'm... On. Is anyone else put off by stuff like that? Is anyone else a little bit uneasy uneasy with that kind of thing? We're going to replace the unwanted traits in animals. Well, who decides what's unwanted? See, there's a kind of like, is there, I feel like there's a kind of butterfly effect here that doesn't get considered. Like, for example, just say we eliminate malaria from um, mosquitoes. Does that mean that millions of people are going to starve to death? 
in the future. Like, I'm not trying to sound harsh or anything. Do you know? Do you know what I'm getting at though? Like the un- there's always unintended consequences, always for everything. Like you guys know the theory of the butterfly effect, right? Like if you could go back in time, then the the you know the wings of a butterfly, like if flap, if you kill a butterfly or so, you kill a bug, that might cause you know that might send the future into a whole new course of events based on that one thing. Yeah, exactly. Uni Uni Med's right onto it. Guess who's next? Of course, of course, who's next? Of course, who's next? Uh, remember the movie Gattaca? Remember that movie where basically like um you know all undesirable traits you know you you can identify all the undesirable traits in your baby and then that that then uh, sets in stone your future career path and everything. Do we want to live in a world like that? It's worth considering. Yeah. Let's watch a couple more minutes. Malaria causing parasites, for instance. Unfortunately, on its own, CRISPR isn't so effective. Every time a CRISPR mosquito mates with a wild one, its genetically modified DNA is diluted down, meaning that some of its offspring will still be able to carry the malaria parasite. And this is where the genius of CRISPR-enabled gene drives comes Genius. In. Imagine what would happen if that replaced a sequence in the CRISPR mosquito also contained a little bit of code that continued to search and replace parasite-enabling DNA sequences. When the mosquito mated, the built-in code would ensure that every single one of its progeny would inherit the same traits, as well as inheriting the CRISPR code that would ensure the anti-malaria gene was passed on to every future generation. In other words, the new gene would be irresistibly driven through the whole mosquito population, and eventually every mosquito would become a human-designed, malaria-free insect. And this is not a technology that's restricted to mosquitoes. Any organism that reproduces by sharing DNA through sexual intercourse is fair game. That said, designing an effective and responsible gene drive isn't a piece of cake. Working out which genes to change in an organism, for instance, is still an inexact science. God, that's reassuring, isn't it? Replace may modify more genetic sequences than expected or introduce unanticipated traits. The speed with which new genes can be driven through a species also depends on how frequently they reproduce. Gene drives are in principle great for transforming fast-breeding organisms like insects, yet it would take millennia to push a gene drive through a relatively slow-breeding species like humans, for instance. Ah. And that's assuming that naturally occurring genetic mutations don't mess up the recoding in the meantime. Nevertheless, gene drives do radically change how we're able to manipulate nature. And that also means they raise tough questions around risk and responsibility. I don't know. Do you do you trust um, the do you trust the, the you know the, the secret the highly secretive, highly funded government organizations to manipulate nature to your advantage? They, or are they, you know, or are the the wealthy technocrats, the people who can invest billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions, and billions of dollars on genome splicing and such technology, 
Do you think that they're going to make the future world where this becomes the norm to your benefit or to theirs? Just a question. Just a question. You know, I was reading a story uh, earlier in the week about, you know, in the UK, hundreds of thousands of people are now going to be implanted with microchips because they work for a certain company. I'm like, oh, great. People who have been on this Periscope, I think we've been, how long have we been on it now, guys? A couple of years now? People who have been around since the start, like Kimmy, General Eaton, Windsor Live's been around for a long time. Uh, you're, I'd, you know, how many hours have we done on AI microchipping back in the day? Back in the day before, we were just laughing at CNN all the time. That's Those are the kinds of topics we used to dive into. You know, AI, genetic engineering, Luciferianism, all the good stuff, the good meaty stuff. But we were on much later at night then too. It was like 2 o'clock start time, I think, 2 in the morning. And there was only like 20 of us, so we could go wherever we want. <laughs> But we've been talking about that stuff for a long time. You know. Um, I, you know if Imagine, just, just imagine, like, think, th- think this through. If what you're seeing, do you think that they would be showing you the cutting edge with this kind of thing? Like, do you, do you think that this is where they're at? Or look at the presentation, even the voice of the guy, the way it's presented, like with the little stick figures, the cute little figures, the texture on the whiteboard, right? This this is PR. It's okay. It's safe. It's friendly. It's kind of childish, the presentation, for a reason. Because if something is childish, then it's non-threatening, right? You know, if it's presented in this way, it's done so... To put you at ease. Now, this is a very difficult topic. They actually talk about how awesome it is for three minutes before they get to the fact that it might not be awesome. But the way that they address that it might not be awesome is to say, well, you know, there's a bit of a debate about it. People don't really know what it's, what's, what's good or not. But this is all for general consumption normalization, acceptance. And I would just ask you, dear listener, uh, if you are in the position to perhaps invest hundreds of billions of dollars over a, you know, sustained period of time, perhaps a few decades, do you invest that time and that money into a project and still allow yourself the option that it won't be successful, that it won't be taken up. Thanks for joining us, Millie. For example, the microchips, microchipping human beings. If you've spent billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars on all kinds of full-spectrum control systems and technologies to ensure it, You don't do so thinking that one day you'll present it to the people and they'll say no. Like, no is not an option. Like, they're going to make you do it. 
people are like, well, they're not going to make me do it. It'll always be things, you know, for the microchip, for example, first it'll be voluntary, you know, various companies and stuff. It's, it's sold to you as a convenience. Wow, it's so much easier. It's so much easier this way. It's cool. It's kind of cool. It's easy and it's cool. Then, you know, when your personal ID cards and stuff, because remember the cards will be antiquated by then. These are archaic notions, having to present a passport or a card. You know. Hey, what about... I always thought the way that they would bring in this kind of technology like microchipping and stuff would be to go after, um, you know, violent offenders who are released from prison as a kind of like a tracking thing. Hey, don't, don't you want to know where all the pedophiles are? Don't you want to know where the murderers are? A microchip is the best possible way that we can keep track of all these people. Then when they go outside of their zone, you know, outside of their parole zone, then an alarm goes off and we swing the feds by and we just pick them up. No harm done. No one gets hurt. We keep everybody safe. We will protect you from the bad guys. Because remember, it's all about protection in uh, in political speech. Protect, protect, protect. But then one day, I suspect, you know, you'll go to get on a plane. And, you know, they might, might start off with only the murderers and the pedophiles having to take a chip. One day you might not even be allowed to travel without a chip. Because, you know, passports can be forged. ID cards can be faked. These things can be reconstructed. But a microchip, that's with you for life. You can't fake a microchip. We own the patent. We own the technology. It's a 100% completely secure. Trust us. We're the government. We're here to help. So they won't say to you, uh, you have to have a microchip, but they will say, in order to travel, you have to have a microchip. So maybe you stop taking planes. As we careen towards a cashless society, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all that money changing hands, God, it's so antiquated, it's archaic. People can forge notes, they can forge coins. We can't allow that. You know, you don't have to take a microchip. But if you want to buy food at the store, you're going to have to have a microchip. Money? (laughs) We don't deal in cash. There's no cash here, mate. You don't have to take the chip. But if you want to, you know, do all the things that you want to do, travel, buy stuff, drive, access the internet, make a phone call, you know, it's not compulsory to have a microchip, but if you want to do those things, well, I'm afraid you're going to have to have a microchip. It's all right. In a generation or two, we'll just breed out of existence those who don't want to accept the microchip anyway. We'll just get rid of them. Hey, don't panic. We're from the government. We're here to help. We care about you. We want to protect you. We want to protect you from the nasty traits that have plagued humanity for generations. Imagine if we could just genetically engineer the resistance out of you. Don't panic. 
Some people may want to have sex and children in the traditional way. I'm sorry. You don't have to take the microchip. But if you want to procreate, you're going to have to have a microchip. (laughs) I mean, we've got to keep tabs on people, right? Resources are running low. I mean, we regulate driving. We regulate even you need a license to fish. Why shouldn't we regulate procreation? Perhaps you and your antiquated traditions and your notions and your ideas and your ideologies and your faith. Perhaps this is not the kind of desirable trait that we want in our progressive societies of the future. Perhaps your ideas in particular are the last things we need. You don't have to agree with us. But if you want to keep living on this planet, well, you're going to have to take the chip. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, sweet dreams. J-Dub, Wins Alive, Peter Booker, Crystal, David, Scott, Rastust and Stefan Sears, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, James R., who I will be on with Sunday night. Sin Soaked, Ocean Nathan, Key Wizard, Jennifer Briggs, the Cherry Popper, General Eaton, Vicious Kind, snuck in there. Sandra, Ducks Regionus, the adorable Kimmy Jong-un and Curry G. And Unimed Doc. It's been a pleasure as always. Till next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, you meet some people who are just like you. Yeah, you meet some people who are just like you. They ain't talking too much, they're drinking all kind of brew. Time.